is Free Talk Live. And you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free and bring up anything you want at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site there totally free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. Uh, lots to discuss here tonight. Of course, we will take your calls about anything at all. Coming up, news out of California that's going to make doing tri- uh, financial transactions a whole lot more difficult. And we'll explain what that's all about here in a moment. But first, Jason is in New Hampshire. Jason Talley from the Managing Director of the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund. Welcome to Free Talk Live. Thanks very much. Yeah, I've been uh, following the uh, the case of the Jefferson One, and uh, you guys actually put it on my radar that there was a, a new court ruling about it that says there is no dancing at the Jefferson Memorial uh, for people that haven't uh, been, been listening. Basically, there was a, a woman, she's a friend of mine, her name is Brooke Oberwetter, and, and she and about uh, 20 of our friends went to the uh, Thomas Jefferson Memorial on Jefferson's birthday in uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the idea was that we were going to, uh, you know, put, uh, you know, earbuds in, listen to our, our own music, whatever we chose, maybe dance for about 20 minutes at midnight, and then, you know, go elsewhere. And uh, the, uh, I was the organizer of the event. And I didn't uh, think that we would get any kind of police uh, response. Mm-hmm. I figured they they work at the Jefferson Memorial. Maybe some of these ideas of freedom had sunk in. So, and uh, well, who could object to so, somebody silently dancing to their own tunes in their own mind, that coming from their headphones at midnight, being broadcast anywhere? Who could object to that? Apparently, the U.S. federal government. Yeah, and so we were all very surprised. Now, um, I was. Uh, Manning, I was I was dancing, so the video that I took is pretty crummy. But uh, you know, once they started, like uh, the the security came out, then I focused on filming, and um, I'm going to be publishing all this at cdevolution.org. I'm actually working on a blog post right now. And, so why uh, was it why was it that Brooke was arrested and you were not? If you were both dancing. Well, in the video, you can see, like, you have the security guard that's just shouting at me, and so like he's taking a step forward. And so I'm, I, he's backing me off, and then, he, and so essentially everybody left, and then Oberwetter was the only one that stayed and asked questions like, why? And I guess she asked too many questions because mm-hmm. she was the only one arrested. Got it. Uh, and so, um, but yeah, and, and to her credit, uh, and so she was processed and, and everything, and it was... That was interesting. You know, we weren't really doing any activism. It was actually, you know, just to pay respect to a Thomas Jefferson. And I thought it would be really cool if you've ever been to the Thomas Jefferson Memorial. There's this large statue of Jefferson in the middle, and there's this large lit surface. And I thought, well, that'd be a cool place for a, uh, a dance party. We call it the Thomas Jefferson Dance Party. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, cops showed up, and then the response was uh, really remarkable. Um, because that was like the first time that we used things like Twitter or Facebook to get the word out, hmm. and we had lost a legal defense fund for her. Um, you know, blogs published the story. It was just outrageous, and it helped people see the police state that we're living in. When you can't do something as simple as uh, as dance, um, you know, quietly uh, for 20 minutes, 
I was uh, interviewed by uh, local media. I was actually looking through the uh, the website, uh, freethejeffersonone.wordpress.com, and I actually called in to Free Talk Live uh, back then to tell yeah. you guys about it. Right. And uh, But I was also on the NBC4 and uh, the local um, station in Washington, D.C., and what was interesting is they went to the Jefferson Memorial, like right before they went to my house to interview me, and they showed a bunch of noisy kids uh, out there and m- making so much more noise than we were. We were trying to be, you know, respectful because we understand that, you know, it might be some people might, uh, you know, be there to do their own solemn respect. Mm-hmm. But that's why we want to be quiet. That's why we chose at midnight so that wouldn't be many people around. But you have all these noisy kids, you know, running around and and laughing with these school groups and stuff like that. And even the reporter said they were far more noisy than what we were up to. But so they um, didn't arrest the so kids, anyway, is what you're saying? They did not. Right. Yeah. Well, that was one of my remarks on uh, that made it to the news. You know that I hope they don't arrest those children for being uh, far more noisy. So now you've got this court case where the government has basically said, "Yeah, we can restrict you from doing anything that we want to uh, in these areas." And then uh, I don't know if anybody's going to challenge that up to the Supreme Court, but I imagine the Supreme Court will probably back them up because for years governments have been restricting people uh, their freedom of so-called freedom of speech and various different government so-called government-owned properties. So my question, I guess, is uh, how do you feel about this plan uh, by – I think it was a guy named Ed called in last night. Uh, he said that he was planning to do this Saturday a, a noontime demonstration at the Jefferson Memorial involving people dancing similarly, uh, also with headphones in, etc., uh, with hopefully a larger group of people. Um, what do you think about that? Oh, I'm so excited about it. I think, uh, like you said uh, the other night, that's exactly the type of response that we need. Uh, for people to uh, to just say no to these uh, uh, idiotic rulings um, and, and the police aggression. I'm looking at the Facebook page now, and there are uh, 46 people say they're, they're attending and oh, 46 wow. may be attending. And it's only been uh, planned uh, for a couple of days. And, now, what's the Facebook group um, again, just to recap? Uh, it is, let's see, uh, go to Facebook, and it's a Dancing at the Jefferson Memorial with three exclamation marks. And I'm going to post a link uh, right as soon as I get off the air on uh, cdevolution.org to mm-hmm. Facebook. I'm going to publish the video of my interview and the initial press release and some other information. We'll, we'll be following it pretty closely because it's, uh, of course, a very um, personal interest to me. And I'm also going to – I lived in D.C. for several years, so I'll be encouraging as many people to show up as possible. Yeah, you certainly have some and, uh, and, and a network so. down there of uh, people that you know, and I think that's great. The one thing with Facebook, the problem is anybody can click that they're going to attend. I see, Mark, you're going to be traveling down to D.C. for this. Uh, I'm this just going to be there in spirit. Uh, see, this is what I, I can't stand about uh, Facebook or events is people will click yes and then make some sort of pithy comment that they're going to be there in spirit. Well, what Look, do you want? If I you're mean, not you... going to be there, please don't click yes so people can have some idea of – who's actually going to show up because they're really going to have cupcakes when it, it really sucks when 40 something people say they're going to attend and four show up i'm not saying it's going to be that drastic of a difference maybe it'll be 20 that'll actually show up uh but why inflate those numbers well because i'm interested in what's going on you can there. still click maybe and still get the updates you can still click no i believe and get the updates on that how is are you going to click no and get updates correct? you're not going Jason, haven't you observed that on Facebook, that when you click no on an event, that you'll still get the updates unless you actually remove the event from your list? Um, I'm not sure if it no. You know, I put maybe, but uh, it looks like I'm not going to be able to make it. But I've been refreshing this uh, page um, and also pu- publishing comments of my own. 
um, just to you know keep uh, encouraging people. And since I can't make it, what I am going to do um, at cdevolution.org's uh, Facebook account is I'm going to uh, be paying very close attention to what happens on Saturday at noon, and I'm going to be relaying information out because I think that's an important role that we can play to let people know what's going on so there mm-hmm. can be uh, some kind of response um, as Good. quickly as possible. Well, I certainly appreciate you getting on this, even though it's not a New Hampshire-based form of activism. And certainly CDEvolution.org focuses mostly on New Hampshire uh, civil disobedience and non-cooperation. It's certainly designed to focus there, but there's no there's nothing that prohibits us from, from looking and, and showing examples of what other people are doing around the country. It's just that we've got limited funds, so if there's somebody that needs to get a little bit of assistance in some way, then CDEvolution.org uh, can only really assist with financially with people in New Hampshire, but we can certainly get the word out. Oh, yeah, and, we, and we've pretty much given up on uh, more freedom in Washington, D.C. We're concerned about more freedom in the Shire, and that's why that's why that's our focus. Right. But I, I, did wanna, I do want to encourage, you know, if anybody's in the area, uh, whether it's Maryland, Virginia, or Washington, D.C., to uh, show up. Even if you don't want to commit civil disobedience uh, with dancing, uh, please bring a camera. Yeah, or, absolutely. Um, that's that's a, a critical role in this, as to have people who are there with cameras, and I think it makes more sense for them not to be dancing. That way they can focus on uh, getting footage and making sure they cover right, anything exactly. that goes down. Jason uh, Talley from the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org. Thanks for calling in tonight. I appreciate the uh, the flashback there. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. We're coming up here at 800-259-9231. By the way, that Facebook group, Dancing at the Jefferson Memorial. <laughs> You can, uh, if you're in the area, show up at noon at the Jefferson Memorial, bring your headphones, and have yourself a little booty shake. It's Free Talk Live. People ask me, Tim, why did you start VerbalSurgery.com? Well, it's easy. I started making these podcasts to make you feel better right now. That's right. From the tops of the Himalayas to the bottom of the deepest seas. That's right. These broadcasts go out to everywhere on the planet and most importantly, deep inside of your brain to make you feel better right now. And isn't that what it's all about? VerbalSurgery.com. Check it out today. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you would like. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features on the site there completely free. So enjoy those on us. Uh, Those features, by the way, include the Shrine of Female Listeners with dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing that they are listeners of this program. Shrine.freetalklive.com will get you there. And if you're a lady listener, you can learn how to become part of the Shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. Phone lines here on Free Talk Live are brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a company that helps other companies deal with accounts receivable issues. If you have a company and accounts receivables become a problem for you, SACL CAI can handle that for you. Go see their banner. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page at freetalklive.com. Big supporter of Free Talk Live. Big supporters of Liberty. SACL CAI. Breaking news, uh, friend of the show, newsman, independent journalist here in New Hampshire, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com has been arrested today, uh, apparently by Nashua police. He was at a hotel, as according to the Porcupine 411 service, uh, on a message that he left from the police station. Uh, he has been arrested for doing what he was asked. He was on the hotel property interviewing, I guess, some state reps or 
whoever, these politician types. And the hotel apparently decided they didn't want him there. They asked him to leave. He then began leaving. Now, when Dave Ridley leaves a place, he typically leaves in a certain Ridley-esque fashion. He normally uh, continues rolling with his camera as he begins to back out of the location. So he will, backing out is kind of dangerous. So he doesn't. He's not lickety split about it either. So right. he, you know, he he wants to make sure that he's got his camera continuing to roll on the action as he's doing what he's been asked to do. Correct. Which is, and he backs out of the area. That's what you do, by the way, when you confront a bear in the woods. You back slowly out and, yeah. face, and face it the entire yes. time. So, uh, yeah, so he was egressing uh, from the area, and I guess it was during that egress. Today, today the bear eat him. <laughs> yes, the bear got him. Uh, today, apparently, the police showed up while he was leaving. So even though he was doing as he was asked to do by the people who were in charge of the property, the police just went, decided to go ahead and arrest him. And I presume that means he's being charged with criminal trespass, but he didn't. I don't think he indicated that in his Port 411 message. He is in, expected to be taken to the jail, uh, which means that he is. I don't know if that means he's not processing or if there's some kind of a uh, some kind of suspended sentence out over him. I don't think there is. I don't believe that David so. currently has any kind of uh, outstanding legal issues. So I'm not sure why it is that he's not just being written a uh, summons and being released. It's possible he's not cooperating with the process. They don't like it when you run, run cameras. They really upset them. He says the uh, the video footage is going to be very dramatic if it's not deleted from his camera. And it remains to be seen as to whether or not that will uh, will happen. So as of right now, uh, newsman, independent journalist Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com is in jail uh, or heading to jail. He's at the police station in Nashua, uh, New Hampshire. And we will keep you informed as as we learn more about his status at 800-259-9231. Let's go to you and your phone calls. Mark, in Indiana, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Wayne, and another Mark. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, Mark, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, no, it's kind of an interesting day. Um, from noon to two today, I was down at the State House with about, I think, a few hundred other people protesting that uh, Fourth Amendment case here. Yeah, this is the case where the Supreme Court basically said that uh, you, uh, well, if the cops want to come into your home, they can pretty much do it and you, for any old reason they want to, even if it's illegal and you can't resist them. Yeah, that was it. It was, um, it was a good experience being down there. It was nice to meet just uh, other like-minded people, and um, hmm. I guess getting a chance, once you understand you know, everything about liberty that you possibly can, to kind of spread the word. And sure. uh, there, there was a, it's a definitely a really different crowd than the Tea Party. The Tea Party here kind of have a lot of... I don't know, kind of Rush Limbaugh type suburbanite middle aged fans. This was completely different. Um, How's that? You know, a lot, a lot of younger people. Um, of course, you got some of the stoner crowd there, and uh, you know, a lot. I'd say brighter people, people more involved. It was, um, it was just really interesting. It was, it was a great time. You know, it was, um, I don't know what's going to happen with the case, but uh, it's a good chance to get out and spread the word. I just wish I could have had. Uh, I kind of regret not getting pamphlets like FTL. Um, mm. uh, what is it? Um, the uh, your guys' state project up there. What's free, the free state project. Yeah, well, yeah, free what, state what, project pamphlets or how, something like this. Did you already answer this? But how many people did you say were there? I'd say probably a um, a few hundred. That's pretty it's good. funny you just mentioned that thing about Facebook because I think the people that commented on Facebook that there was going to be over a thousand, thousand fifty, whatever, and there ended up only being about a few hundred. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was to say a good opportunity. I think it was, it was a big a great crowd. Day. Yeah, I would say that's pretty good. I mean, was this primarily organized on Facebook? How did you become aware of this event? Um, a friend of mine who's involved in the Campaign for Liberty for Liberty in Indiana, she told me about it. And I guess the two people that organized it were college students in Carmel. Um, hmm. One girl, I think she goes to school out east or something, and one guy goes to school down in Bloomington. And 
they heard him out and they organized and all of a sudden several hundred people showed up and uh, these people really got it. I, I will say they might not have really heard the libertarian message, but I, I wouldn't say their status. They um they really understand it overall that or they um they're really easily uh they under, they, they could understand it. You know what I mean? I see where you're coming from. Now, you bring up the question about flyers, pamphlets. I know the Free State Project has them. I don't know where you go to get them, but I do know where you can go to get Free uh, Free Talk Live uh, flyers. You can go to promote.freetalklive.com, and there's actually a flyer there that's designed for people that have local radio stations. So there's a flyer for people that don't have local radio stations that carry the show, which is probably a lot of people. (laughs) We're only on in uh, 100 stations around the country. But you've got one there in Indy, WXNT. They uh, they air the show from 8 to 10 o'clock at night. Weeknights, so they miss the first hour, but they get the second two hours live. And so there's a there's a little flyer. I think it's about a half page. There's actually a full page flyer. Uh, there's like a poster kind of flyer. There's also a, one that you can print out two per page, so half page flyers. And you just basically write down there, you know, what station it's on, or put it in the actual flyer, and and you know, put that detail in there, what station it's on, what time, and then you could pass those out. I mean, it may not be the last one that they have. Uh, they may do this again. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. That and, uh, several people there knew about Alex Jones. They had Infowar type uh, T-shirts. Um, a lot of people there I talked to weren't even from Indianapolis. So the rest of the state, I don't think. And they used to. Uh, I talked to a guy who lives up near the Chicago area. They used to play you guys up there on the radio. Now they don't. So um, I was like, well, all this stuff's online. You know, you can get it streaming, streaming live, and everything. Um, I was just telling people there, um, just kind of, they already understood this. The ones I was talking, but just mm-hmm. kind of discussing it. That the root cause of this whole thing is war on drugs. Police Absolutely. wouldn't be invading people's homes if it wasn't for this. And, uh, you know, regardless of what people think, I talked to a couple people that disagree with the war on drugs. I was like, look, it doesn't matter if you drink Clorox. The state has no right telling you what to do, period. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. You and know? certainly don't have a right to come into your home and search through your stuff on these pretenses. And I'm glad that actually transpired. And I hope that people made some connections and that things continue to move forward in some sort of a positive manner. And thanks, Mark, for the call and the update tonight at 1-800-259-9231. I mean, that's what I believe that these uh, protests or demonstrations are really the most useful for. I don't think they, t- they change the minds of politicians, but I think that they do encourage people to get out, to get active, and more importantly to network and meet other like-minded folks and other people that could be of like mind maybe they just need to be persuaded on a couple of points it, it raises the level of the volume and i think that that uh, that is invaluable um i i agree with you that most politicians don't pay much attention politicians tend to view the american people as their slaves mm. and i mean try to imagine what the master thinks about slaves having uh, you know a protest he doesn't yeah. care exactly 800 as long as they do their work Two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. We invite you to take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything you want. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. A crackdown coming for people doing business in California. It's Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes feed the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in, toll free, bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can join us on our website. 
freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. And those features on the site, by the way, include listening options. You can get tuned in via our live streams. We've got broadband and dial-up versions there. And you'll actually hear the latest episode of Free Talk Live around the clock over there, 24-7 at listen.freetalklive.com. Plus, you get details on how to listen on the radio to our 90, 98 great radio stations carrying the show from coast to coast. Hopefully, you're going to have a new station to announce here uh, pretty soon in Michigan, as well as our satellite listening options, including XM Satellite Radio as uh, and also our free-to-air satellite channel. The webcam and the listen lines that allow you to call in from any phone that can dial long distance and listen that way as well. Details at listen.freetalklive.com. You know, that new station in Michigan is going to get us that much closer to that 100th station. Actually, it's two stations, so it might just cross over the 100th station. Really? Yeah. Mm. Are you looking mm. for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? Yep. ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com, they're family-owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices are so low in some cases, they can't even be advertised. They've got all kinds of name-brand manufacturers over there, and those manufacturers don't want those uh, prices too low advertised. So you'll have to go and check them out at ManVentureOutpost.com. You can get an additional 5% off with a coupon code FTL. That's FTL as in Free Talk Live at manventureoutpost.com. All right, 800-259-9231. We'll continue, of course, taking your calls if you make them. You can bring up anything you'd like at 800-259-9231. Still to come here tonight, uh, Mark, apparently the federal government has made a threat against the people in the state of Texas. And we'll explain what that's all about here in a moment. But first, news out of California over at Quora.com, Q-U-O-R-A, Quora.com. Most people, writes Mark Bodnick, don't regularly check the California Senate Committee on Banking, Finance, and Insurance for the latest news about potential legislation. But they should. And so it's no surprise that most people have never heard of California Assembly Bill 2789, which is too bad because it passed into law back in September and became effective in January of this year and is known as the Money Transmission Act. It's a ticking time bomb and big red numbers are glowing 50 as of midnight tonight, meaning 50 days from now, something major is uh, going to happen if you are in the business of financial transactions in the state of California. The law accomplishes sounds mundane enough. It requires money transmitters, companies that act like banks but aren't. Uh, such as PayPal, to get licenses. As usual, however, the devil is in the details. Previously, California corporations were only required to get money transmitter licenses for international fund transfers. Domestic transfers were unregulated. Now, both kinds of transfers have become regulated, and the price of each license is a little bit steep. Half a million dollars and change. Jeez. Oh, and if you want to do business nationwide, you'll need 43 more of those licenses from almost every state. The forms and requirements are different everywhere, and most states want your fingerprints to do a criminal background check, uh, which is uh, the exact same criminal background check, just being done 43 times by 43 different state you agencies. got to make sure. Uh, and the price varies wildly from a measly 10000 to $1 million per state. If you want the forms, good luck finding them. Some states don't post them online. Why does California's law matter at all when the regulatory framework for money transmitters is already such a mess? Well, Silicon Valley is located in California, 
And uh, if a Valley startup founders risk going to jail for transmitting money illegally without a license, then there aren't going to be very many new companies working on ways to handle payments that don't involve the same old banks touting the same old plastic cards. Not to mention that there aren't a lot of investors who like the idea of putting half a million dollars into a company's bank account just so that it can immediately be locked up and used for licensing fees. In other words, the Money Transmission Act is designed to kill innovation. And business. Sounds like it. Yeah, anybody that's doing business with financial transactions uh, as part of their business, doing some level of uh, interstate transaction is going to, and maybe just within California as well, uh, is going to be subject to significant new costs. And as he points out here, he runs a, a relatively small business that maybe he'll be able to foot this fee. Maybe he'll be able to continue operating his uh, his business. But, but that's the thing about these. You never know exactly who this who is this focused at. I mean, is this is this my business? Do I have to do this? I do tra- financial transaction. What's that mean? Yeah, it's a good question. When you actually go and look at Johnson, who is our graphic designer and uh, former co-host on the show, was very concerned that this is going to spell the end of, the, of Bitcoin. And, of course, we've been talking a lot about Bitcoin on the air here recently. And certainly there's a chance that the government's going to come after Bitcoin at some point. But the way I read this legislation, and I didn't read the legislation, I, le- I read the definition of money because this is about people who are transmitting money. You mean dollars? Well, no, they're using the term money here in the legislation, and there's a definition. So because it's legalese, you can redefine what money means. Money doesn't mean in legalese what it necessarily means in English. So I wanted to take a look at the definition of money and see what they were talking about. And it was as I suspected. The definition of money has specifically to do with government-approved funds. So government-approved methods of of transaction, government-approved currencies. So therefore, the Federal Reserve note will qualify as a money transmission, but I don't think Bitcoin would qualify as a money transmission under this legislation. Now, that's not to say there's not another piece of legislation coming soon that will ban Bitcoins or whatever, or, or but that if, hasn't happened. Yeah, or if a judge just interprets it too broadly to include Bitcoins. It's certainly possible. Again, that's just my interpretation. Uh, I read what the definition of money is, and it sounds pretty cut and dry. I mean, it's only those that are essentially given their sanction by the, uh, the federal government or any other government around the world. So if Sweden were to adopt bitcoins as an official currency, mm. then at that point it would cover bitcoin transactions. Yeah, let's not do that. So uh, according to the story here, the uh, who would sponsor such a draconian law? According to legislative analysis, we can blame the Money Services Roundtable. Now, if the Money Services Roundtable sounds like a shady political group that doesn't want to reveal its true identity, then that's because it is. <laughs> Thanks to the Freedom of Information Act, however, we do know that lobbyists, or its lobbyists, had some very important things to tell the Federal Reserve back in 2006, including its member list, which at the time included names such as Western Union, MoneyGram, Travelex and American Express. So these are organizations that make money by doing money transfers. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so they can afford, it's no problem for Amex yeah. to chunk down half a million dollars in order to keep doing business in the state of California. But if you want to start up your own uh, money business, then you're screwed. Right. That $100,000 that they're going to drop down is invaluable in keeping new competition and new innovation out of the marketplace so that they can keep their same old dinosaur model of wire transfers going 
your call-in number here, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So that's a uh, you know, quick update for you on the financial situation for people doing business out in California. It's about to get a lot worse. And yet another reason to leave California and move your business to New Hampshire. That's what I did. The, uh, as part of the Free State Project. Now, I can't tell you for sure what New Hampshire's regulations are regarding uh, being financial, doing tra- financial transactions. I know that uh, New Hampshire is kind of middle of the road as far as states go um, and business. Now, it's really great compared to, say, New England or the Northeast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are states that are that are better. But California isn't one of them. So, yeah. you know, that's something to be thought about. So let's continue here with you and your phone calls. Jack is in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jack. Jack in Michigan. Hey, guys. hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, oh, just mountains of concerns. Uh, Pick one. But since you're talking monetary, there, um, it is true, right, that the American sheeple taxpayer are funding the uh, these continuing genocide police actions. Uh, and I think of which genocide uh, police action. I mean, like literally, well, you're talking about like in the Middle East. That, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Like Webster Tarpley, uh, I think is the guy where I picked up the uh, manufactured genocide police action. All right, I have no idea where you're going with this, but we'll find out here in a moment. So stick with us. More on the way here uh, with Jack and your calls as well at 800-259-9231. Plus, we mentioned American Express being one of these financial providers that is encouraging a crackdown on small businesses that want to compete with them. And apparently they're also in the news for other reasons. Mark, you're going to share that. It has to do with uh, cannabis. Yep. We'll explain here in moments. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Hunting, shooting, camping, apparel, auto ATV, tactical gear, survival equipment. OutdoorBunker.com is your one-stop discount shop for all your outdoor survival needs. From scopes, holsters, and knives to backpacks, flashlights, sleeping bags, and more, OutdoorBunker.com features a massive selection at incredible prices. Orders over $100 get free shipping. FTL listeners, get the UTG Deluxe Universal Horizontal Shoulder Holster for only $9.95. I've got mine. Get yours at OutdoorBunker.com slash FTL now. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. You can also support the show. If you'd like, voluntarily, considering we give you the website for free, you may want to send us a few bucks, and you can do that by becoming an amplifier over at amp.freetalklive.com. It is a way for you to help Free Talk Live market, advertise, and promote Free Talk Live. That's what AMP stands for. And it helps us get on more great radio stations across the country, thereby exposing new people to the ideas of freedom. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You can use any major credit card. Yes, I know, they're evil, but we have to do it. (laughs) the only way to make this work uh so you can use any major credit card through paypal or you can use visa or mastercard right on our website at amp.freetalklive.com and get perks too like access to the amp only call in lines amp only forum and podcast and more once again amp.freetalklive.com as we go to your phone calls bill listening in oklahoma you're on free talk live hello bill bill in oklahoma. hello 
Hello, guys. How are you this evening? Just great. What's on your mind tonight? Well, um, I was just overhearing about this uh, new, uh, new, I guess, pass law in California, and you were bringing up Bitcoin. And I think there's a there's an aspect of of the argument that's not being addressed. Uh, Bitcoin by itself is uh, pointless, uh, so to speak. I mean, uh, people generally do not participate in the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem uh, just to pass around digital currency. They have intentions of selling that currency off to whatever legal tender that they're using in their country, in, in our case, the U.S. dollar. So if that's the case, the government could probably make an argument saying, well, since the two are intermingling, we can go ahead and, and uh, put the kibosh on, on Bitcoin and by, by facto start shutting down a lot of people that are, are starting up brokerage um, services specifically Certainly, for if you're running a, a, if you're in California, this new law requires everybody in California doing financial uh, transactions, essentially transmissions or whatever money transmissions to uh, people that are make, creating money orders, etc. Uh, it essentially would regulate somebody who was changing U.S. dollars into bitcoins in California. That much I think is true, but a Bitcoin to Bitcoin transaction is not going to not. Right. I don't think going to run afoul of this particular legislation. Right, Bitcoin to Bitcoin is is probably exempt. But like I said, I mean, how many people actually participate in the Bitcoin ecosystem? Uh, simply just to tr- trans, uh, transfer the bitcoins from one person to another. I don't know. Not that's uh, that's a good question. I, I honestly am not sure. I mean, I've got some bitcoins, and I've never turned them into cash, so I'm not one of them, so I can't speak from any personal experience regarding that. Right. But, I mean, if you look at uh, the, uh, the charts, uh, the recent charts, the bitcoin value goes up, and with every time it goes up, it, it's more incentive for somebody to go in and say, okay, it's time for me to cash out. It's time for me to make some legitimate real money, which yeah. that's a misnomer in itself, but I, I guess you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, it's you know, a commodity to some extent. Right now, people are trading it, it and, uh, for the sort of, you know, it's a it's an online commodity and people are making some money buying and selling it. I think that as it's uh, used more and more, you'll find more businesses buying and selling. Free Talk Live's doing its be- its best at this point, um, and I think you'll find more of them that are coming on board. And then it'll get, have more legs as a currency too. Anything else you want to yeah, share so tonight, Bill? The double-edged sword. Is there anything else you uh, want to share? Oh no, that's, that was just uh, my thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that they're going to come down on Bitcoin at some point, but this probably isn't going to be the mechanism they use. Seems way too soon. I mean, I can't imagine that too many politicians in the state of California know what the heck Bitcoin is. I mean, they probably don't understand it. They are presented with it. Hey, uh, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Is that the money they use in Second Life? I mean, they have no idea what they're Mm, talking about. Exactly. Let's go back. Actually, I'm sorry to Jack in Michigan. I apologize, Jack. I got all spaced out and uh, forgot all about your call. But you're still there, and so we're still here. So go ahead with your thoughts. Hey, that's okay, guys. I I enjoy every minute of the broadcast when I can can hear it. So you, you and, were talking uh, about something about uh, the U.S. government uh, doing uh, committing genocide, and I'm not sure where you're going with with that. Well, you know these 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 manufactured police action events, uh, like the one that just happened in Pakistan, and I heard from some people that. Well, anyway, how how is that in our best interest? You know, they they call it national security. And everything's national security, therefore they can't divulge the records on whatever subject matter. So I, 
I see it, guys, this is all skullduggery. Uh, in fact, the the inciting event for the global war on terror, the new crusade that the previous president uh, smirkishly stated it, uh, and that was after uh, see Paul Wolfowitz with the New American Century folks uh, stated in uh, their official journal January of 2001. This was, by the way, on Amy Goodman's free speech uh, broadcast where I saw this. And uh, Wolfowitz, on behalf of uh, all of its members of the New American Century, stated that they needed a new Pearl Harbor to garner primitive American patriot support for a new global American empire. Okay, so after 9-11, what does the president say? Uh, the world has changed forever. Uh, it's the new crusades, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. So I'm thinking, okay, uh, since he's since they're waging war, they tell us in our names for our best benefit, uh, don't you think we ought to have some kind of a controlling interest on the expenditure? Shouldn't we, say, hold them accountable for treasonous acts like, the Patriot Act. I think it's a great idea. I, I suggest stop paying taxes. Thank you. Absolutely. And right now, uh, the the Senate Bill 1038, according to Jack McLam and others, is up for reauthorization. So tomorrow, I'm I'm calling the state Senate, well, the U.S. Senators in Michigan as well as Harry Reid, and I'm going to tell them either they either they uh, terminate the Patriot Acts and all the other corollary you know, uh, uh, domestic spy acts, uh, and terminate the funding for all these 130-plus uh, uh, foreign interventions, uh, we're going to start holding our own town hall meetings. We're going to start uh, prosecuting them for high crimes. Well, that's not uh, going to go anywhere. Uh, but I think that uh, you can take your own personal uh, your your own personal actions into account. You can refuse to obey uh, their diktats. You can refuse to pay their taxes as many as you can possibly uh, do, and that will give you some more personal freedom in your own life, some more financial uh, ability. But as far as prosecuting them with your own little court, I don't think that's going to do anything because they're not going to show up. Because they don't care um, about that. But I think that uh, you can control what you can control in your own life, and you should change whatever it is you can change to make it so you are as as minimized. Your your accountability for any of this uh, these police genocidal actions, as you describe them, are as minimized as possible. And I thank you for the call tonight. And speaking of the Patriot Act, Mark, you mentioned something to me uh, before we started. I think it was before we started the show tonight about uh, Rand Paul, who's apparently doing something uh, worthy of, I think, note uh, regarding this Patriot Act. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out but he was yeah. talking about stopping the patriot act from being reauthorized it looks like it's as i important. understand it Rand paul had uh, his own little filibuster in the floor of the senate today uh, many hours long uh, attempting to stop the patriot act from heading forward and i'd like to take this moment to remind you about how you, the awful things you said about him when he was running for office uh, you know i he said he's some lying. Awful things. i wouldn't go for a politician that tells lies i don't like that lots of lots of pro liberty candidates have spoken uh, uh, you know, spoken their, their their highest truth as far as liberty mm-hmm. on the campaign trail. Rand Paul stood in the way as the best he could of the Liberty Act. Uh, excuse me, the the Patriot Act today. And I've got to say, I'm I'm very pleased with what he did. Now, 
I don't like everything this guy has voted on, but I don't like everything his dad's voted on either. Like I said, I'll give him credit where credit's due. And there's a lot of credit due. But I'm not going to think that it it was a good idea that he told lies. I don't think that's ever a good idea. I don't know what is lies. When you're you're running, you have to to tailor your story for your audience. Mm Whatever you want to say, Mark, you're clearly cut for the, uh, from the political cloth. You, you say it's not lying when a politician does it. Whatever, dude. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. But you said that apparently the Patriot Act thing went past him. and it, it As I understand, Harry Reid slipped it into some kind of business bill, and it uh, went by. That's according to Prison so Planet. Passed, they passed it. Yeah, it went so, through. Okay. But he held the Senate floor for over seven hours. Yeah, I mean, you know, he 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 look look, folks, look at all these other Tea Party candidates out there. Look at your uh, socialist candidates, Bernie Sanders, and uh, you know, what, how about what was, Scott Brown? Yeah, what a all phony! These, all these uh, folks that you know, people imagine we're going to do something about this. Nothing, nothing. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I wonder what the vote was on the Patriot Act thing. Oh, I, it was it wasn't it was direct because it was bundled. This they is what they in. do. Right, but I wonder what the vote was. 800-259-9231. How overwhelming was it? More on the way. You can take control of these airwaves. Bring up anything you might like. 1-800-259-9231. American Express getting ready to crack down on certain types of transactions. You know the Constitution like the back of your hand. You've read books, listened to podcasts, attended lectures, surfed websites, and watched videos. You've made liberty your life's goal, but something seems to be missing. Stickers from LibertyStickers.com. Exercise your freedom of speech with the world's most dangerous bumper stickers. That's LibertyStickers.com. But wait. There's more. You can buy Liberty Stickers wholesale. Get them for 99 cents each when you put 100 or more in your shopping cart in any combination. Sell them or give them away. They're great for gun shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach, and more. Earn extra money, promote freedom, and spread the word. Need custom stickers, labels, or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them. Go to LibertyStickers.com to order or call 877-873-9626. LibertyStickers.com, the world's most dangerous stickers. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site completely free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. As we launch here into the second hour of the program, much to discuss. Your calls, of course, come first if you make them 800-259-9231. But, Mark, there's been a federal government threat made against the people in the state of Texas. That's right. Particularly the people calling themselves the state of Texas, apparently. What's going on? From the Tenth Amendment Center, TenthAmendmentCenter.com, yesterday the U.S. Department of Justice upped the ante in a high-stakes political game of chicken, lobbying against pending legislation in Texas uh, in the legislature, which would criminalize any searches Conducted without probable cause, U.S. that, you know, having to do with the TSA, essentially, it's targeted at the TSA. Mm -hmm. U.S. Attorney John E. Murphy sent a letter to a few high-ranking members of Texas government warning against promoting the bill and threatening a complete closure of all flights to and from the state. If H.R. 
1937, I think it was a House bill, um, actually. HB. HB. Yeah. Oh, HB. Um, HB 1937 were enacted. This is a quote from uh, John E. Murphy's, the U.S. Attorney's uh, letter here. The federal government would likely seek an emergency stay of the statute, Murphy wrote. Unless or until such a stay were granted, TSA would likely be required to cancel any flight or series of flights for which it could not ensure the safety of passengers and crew. Now, isn't there something like this bill being proposed in New Hampshire as well? I I think so, but I don't think it's gone as far. Okay. Gotcha. There was another state, too. I think New Jersey or some some town in New Jersey, maybe, and Florida, too, were talking about it as well. So where was this uh, bill in the process? Do you have any idea? Yeah, it had gone through the House, as I understand it, and it was then sitting in front of the Senate. Gotcha. So the TSA and the federal government, the justice, so-called Justice Department, got upset about this. They threatened the uh, with a stay. They threatened to essentially stop this law from happening. That's and, if they could get the stay. And, um, and if they know, until then... That they were going to ban all flights to Texas? That's correct. Or from. Wow. Now, does the, anybody actually believe that? The crap? TSA would require those airports to be to, to cancel uh, those airports to cancel the flights. And the problem is, is that flights not only start or end in Texas, but they start or end in other places, too. So the TSA could have a problem with those planes landing or um, going to Texas. Does anybody actually how, believe can, this? Now, I don't understand why the TSA couldn't uh, ensure the safety of a flight going to Texas, because that's just stupid. Because, well, this is clearly a punishment. Uh, it's absolutely well, it's a, threat. a punishment. It's a threat. But, but you does know, anybody actually take it seriously? I guess yes, they, they absolutely have. Uh, they basically, this is, the, the, the whole law is uh, going kerflui right now. So chicken. Just mm-hmm. a bunch of chicken S's. Yep. I mean, no, come on. The idea that they're actually going to stop air travel to the entire state of Texas. So absurd. Do you think they could actually do that? Why not? Well, I Let, guess they could if people are so damned obedient that they'll just go right ahead and just do whatever it is the federal government says. Let right? us molest your wives and children or else. Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, the federal government threatened the states when they were nullifying the Real ID Act, saying, oh, your citizens aren't going to be able to board airplanes at airports. Right, they did do that, and the states did not back down from that one. That's they right, went they ahead didn't. and they nullified those Real ID Acts, and Real ID never came to fruition pretty much as a result. Not of completely, that. but they're still trying to push it through through the back door. It's something to watch, but, but anyway. Well, okay, so this, this lines right up with the other news that we reported recently about how the feds are also, and I think it was the Justice Department, so-called. Uh, these feds were also threatening state government bureaucrats in the states in which they have medical marijuana uh, schemes, where in some states, bureaucrats are more involved in that process than others, like Delaware, for instance. We just talked about last night how they're the 16th state to have medical marijuana. But unlike California, where there can be individuals can grow plants and providers can sell uh, pot to people, in Delaware, you'll have to get it from the state. And so in states like that, the federal government is threatening any government bureaucrat that is involved at any point in that process of getting marijuana to people, threatening them with federal criminal charges, essentially a conspiracy to distribute marijuana charge for any state bureaucrat involved in that uh, that process. So we're starting to see this happen in different areas now. So there's the, there's the medical marijuana area, which is contrary to the federal government's war on drugs. There's this... Uh, this TSA, this kind of anti-TSA legislation that is contrary to the federal government's so-called security interests. And so anything that is nullifying toward the federal government, this this seems to be their new tactic, is to just 
just lash out at whatever it is, whichever organization, group of uh, government people is involved in this. In right. this case, targeting the, the airports. The, and the thing is, is that uh, you know this is this is the people of Texas responding. Uh, if if you believe in the ideas of re- representative democracy, and I think that largely the United States has shown has shown that it's a failure. But um, if you believe in those ideas, this is a uh, uh, you know the, the people of Texas speaking that they don't want this crap going on in their state. Tell me the U.S. Uh, citizen mandate that's behind the Transportation and Security Administration. This was an organization that was created out of whole cloth uh, by uh, President Bush and his cronies after 9-11 occurred. So there wasn't a vote for new politicians in between. There. This is just some idea by some federal bureaucrats, and now they're using their power to protect the jobs of people who would otherwise be welfare recipients, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I you know I got I got nothing nice to say about this. Yeah, it's it's sad. I'm I'm sorry to hear this news and I expect we're going to hear more of it as time goes on as more of these uh, government people in these various different states decide to try this nullification idea. I mean, it seems to be getting more popular. At least I hear, you know, we're hearing more about it on Free Talk Live. We've we've had the guys from uh we we teamed up kind of to some extent with the guys from the 10th Amendment Center. You've had I believe you've had Michael Bol- Bolden on your interview show, right? Over, I think so. I don't know. We've talked to him so much that I don't know uh, if he's on the interview show or not. Well, we're definitely on good terms with the guys at the uh, the 10th Amendment Center and of course they're doing their Nullify Now conferences around the country. I believe there's going to be one in in Los Angeles coming up here, I think, this weekend, but I'm not positive on that. You can go to nullifynow.com to learn more about what they're doing. But they're taking this conference all around the country, and they're bringing the ideas of nullification, again, as far and as wide as they possibly can get them. But if state government bureaucrats are too chicken uh, to stand up to the federal government, then the whole idea of nullification just falls flat on its face. And that's the biggest weak point that it that it has. You really... We're going to have to personally nullify. Really, that's what it's going to ultimately come down to. And I know that the Tenth Amendment Center and those guys support personal nullification as well and non-cooperation and not obeying these stupid diktats and, and rules and paying these uh, taxes to the feds. You can't count on these state government bureaucrats to do this. These people don't have a backbone for the most part. So you can't count on them to keep you safe from whatever federal government uh, horrors are going on. So, um, going on with the article, for now it appears the U.S. Uh, attorney's threat has realized its goal. The sponsor of the Texas bill has decided to concede defeat in this battle, but remains committed to fighting the war. I will pull HB 1937 down, but will stand for liberty in the state of Texas, said Senator Dan Patrick, the bill's sponsor. As such, as of right now, the bill has died. Blah, this, blah, blah. This matter is clear. Well, you know, what do you expect the guy to do? I, well, have I some cojones. To, right. Stand up. It's just it a damn bill. It doesn't matter. If he would have left it and it would have died on the table, what difference does it make? Wait, died on the table? What? I don't there, no senator in Texas is going to vote for this crap now. Well, that's what Wayne is saying here. Maybe they should vote for it so they don't know. You just bl- I, what I'm saying is don't blame Dan Patrick for it. Well, I mean, he's he pulled it off. He didn't even give them the chance to vote on it. Oh yes, I'm certain. Oh, I he just couldn't communicate with any of his senator friends before he pulled Let it down. Let him go to a vote so you can see which ones of them are chicken. That would be really great, right? Yeah. But that's not how it's going to happen. That's not how politics. Chickens. That's how not how politics works in the United States. Sadly, pathetic. It's a agree. Pathetic. I know they were brave enough to respond to their constituents' wishes to stop this this. Uh, molestation in airports which is totally unnecessary it's totally slave training and and you know it's it's disgusting i can't even 
Think about it yeah. right now. Yeah, Absolutely. But, but, the, but the truth is that you nor I or anybody else who's sitting here having this discussion right now has a flight in or out of Texas in the We're next 30 days. We're going to Texas uh, this year. And, yeah, in November or something. And you and I would happily drive if this was the case. Most people don't have the stand for liberty. Most of these, these senators' constituents don't want this bad enough. 1-800-259-9231. I'd love to see uh, New Hampshire pass this and then have them continue to operate their airport despite what the federal government New Hampshire says. Still got Let them bring pending. in the military to shut down the airport, and that, that'll be a Kodak moment. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in and bring up anything you want. 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, and we give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Have you ever been the victim of an injustice and then decided to do nothing about it because attorneys are just too expensive? Jurisdictionary.com is the course for people who don't have attorneys. It arms you with the information on how to use the court's rules. Until you know about these rules, you're just fighting in the dark. It works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts. It costs less than an hour with any good attorney. In the 4CD course, so easy the average 8th grader could learn it in a weekend. You can visit Jurisdictionary.com. They have all kinds of free tools there that you can download and use. And remember, when you buy the course, that there's a pull-down menu at the end, and uh, mention Free Talk Live so they know where they, where you heard it from. It's Jurisdictionary.com. All right, so 1-800-259-9231 is the number here. Coming up here, we will tell you about American Express uh, cracking down on a specific type of transaction. It's not gambling this time. Uh, we'll give you some more information on that in a little bit. 800-259-9231. But, Mark, you were actually on the phone earlier this morning on a conference call. That's right. And you said to me that it was so per- so uh, important yeah. that you wanted to put it into the podcast tonight. Now, we're, the podcast, of course, is different from the actual radio show. We're not going to play it live on the show. How long did it last, by the way? It was about a 50-minute uh, 50 50 okay. conference call. So. Uh, We're not going to play it on the air here, but if you want to get your hands on this, we will be attaching it to the podcast of the show tonight, which will be available for download at freetalklive.com. At about 11 p.m. at freetalklive.com? Whenever it gets done. But yeah, usually that's about when. So what was uh, the content of this call? What was it about? Okay. um, Not not only will that be attached, but also an interview I did with Brian Wilgoda about uh, the cruise that that I'm taking, cruise.freetalklive.com. But <clears throat> this interview will be uh, you know, after that, and it's it was Julian Assange, uh, Daniel Ellsworth, uh, Ellsberg, I think Ellsberg. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about yeah, that. I, I don't. I I don't know. I had it uh, of know, Pentagon up, Papers fame. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. And um, it was supposed to be Glenn Greenwald. He couldn't make it, but uh, they had you know several other experts in there, and they were just talking about, I guess, the chances that uh, what. 
Bradley Manning's chances were. I guess he's having this his, being the year anniversary of him being locked up, correct? That and his pre-trial uh, hearings coming up. The justice's terrible swift sword is is whistling through the air, and uh, so it's been one year since he was uh, charged Accused. and incarcerated. Yeah. Incarcerated. Basically, he's been punished now for with a year's incarceration. His uh, right. So even if he's found not guilty after the fact. He's been sitting in jail. For he's been tortured for nearly a year, and then yeah, he's been worse moved. than jail. This is much worse than jail. Right. This makes it, I, there there is no incarceration in the United States that's been as bad as this guy's. Save maybe uh, Padilla, Padilla or mm-hmm. Padilla or whatever his name is. Padilla. Um, and this. Uh, so I mean, I guess he's been moved to Leavenworth now, and he's got a, a much more sort of uh, appropriate kind of incarceration. You going mean they on. actually gave a blanket? And a, a pad to sleep on, or something like that. That kind of thing. Because he was it's really Ellsberg. Being, what did I say? Ells, I, I, said, said, I Ellsworth. said Ellsworth. Yeah. Anyway, so he has been the, the conditions under which he has been held have been absolutely torturous. Yeah. And you're saying that now they're slightly less torturous. They're basically? normal jail conditions as it's being described to the uh, the they, audience of reporters. Were they saying that today on the yes the conference and call? And just to to talk about what kind of conference call this was, I don't know how I ended up on this list, but little old free talk live here I am listening in, and I put in to ask a question. Sure, I want to ask uh, you know Julian Assange or uh, uh, Daniel. Ellsberg a, a question I didn't get on board because ABC CNN uh, you know the Guardian uh, mm. some some place out of Chicago I think it was the Tribune but I'm not sure they, they got to ask all the questions gotcha. so, um, but it, it gives you an idea that this is a uh, was a pretty big deal and I just felt it was very surreal and I walked away from the event surreal surreal why well, for me, it was I'd never experienced anything like this. These people are from ABC asking questions. I, mm-hmm. I'm listening. I'm on a private call with Julian Assange and uh, Daniel Ellsberg, and I may very well be able to get Daniel on the show here for an interview. I'm not promising anything, but it, it's looking promising. Right, right. We're and, working on that. Yeah, and and you know, there's a couple of other people that we've been offered uh, interviews on, and and I may do that uh, for them. <clears throat> but anyway, I thought it was uh, very good. I walked away. So what, wait, so what was the purpose of this conference? Was it just simply commemorate the anniversary, give people an update on what's going on with Bradley? What were they trying to accomplish? Update uh, b- b- journalists who probably aren't keeping as close to tabs as we are on what's going on, the civil disobedience that occurred at the, uh, the, the Quantico where he was being held uh, to tell people – you know, sort of what's happening from a legal standpoint with Bradley to talk about how this affects First Amendment freedom of the press around the world. Uh, that you know, I mean, this is this is the major Western countries of the world turning their laser eyes on to freedom of the press. They don't like it. It makes them uncomfortable. Organizations like WikiLeaks are you know bad in their minds. They're not. They're going to try to identify them as not part of the press. And mm-hmm. you know, that's that's very bad stuff. Um, I listened to it and I was just like, man, I've I got to try to get this for my listeners. And they made it available to me. It's actually available online someplace. But I would fi- I would figure that it, it'd be like most of the, the Bradley Manning news. Most people wouldn't hear it. But if we stick it on our podcast, that'll make it available to thousands of people right. who the wouldn't otherwise whole conference. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. have otherwise heard it. And it's about 50 minutes long. And I walked away. My spirits were buoyed. I felt much wow. better Why? about the idea. I think that just listening to this. They made better arguments than I can make. I can't even begin to make the arguments that they made. But essentially, Bradley Manning, likely they don't have a case. Was there an attorney on the call? Well, well? Uh, I, I, Daniel Ellsberg sounded like an attorney, mm-hmm. but there were three. Gotcha. 
So, um, and it, it, that that was that was basically what they were making it sound like. So they Obviously think it was one sided, but once this actually does go to court, that that uh, Bradley Manning actually has a good chance of being released. Because when the hell is that going to happen? Because it's in the United States. Because he took a, an oath, enemies foreign domestic. Because there's a whistleblower, uh, you know, sort mm-hmm. of rule that protects him, and because the president of the United States, the commander in chief, pronounced him guilty at that press conference. You know where the singing went on. Do you remember? Oh, where the people kind of interrupted? They paid yeah. like five grand to be there. And yeah, they, they paid a bunch of money to be there. They yeah. sing, they sung about Bradley Manning, and Barack Obama said what Bradley Manning did mm. was treason, and it was different than uh, Daniel Ellsberg or whatever. He pronounced him guilty, which therefore taints the whole military tribunal process. He's going to get a military tribunal? He's in the military, Ian. Oh, right. And if you right. act like that's the worst justice in the world, it's not. There's there's certainly worse. But the the fact is that now he's at Barack Obama, the commander in chief, has essentially handed down a prescription to these JAG officers mm-hmm. or whomever would sit on whatever passes for a jury on the uh, this military tribunal and told him this man's guilty, which mm. therefore corrupts the whole process and could cause the whole thing to get thrown out and that's not ju- that's not the only thing they're talking about yeah. they made a lot of points that i can't really make very sure. well so but you were pretty in- inspired and i was by amazed it. by what i was hearing and that's why you know I, <laughs> I don't just hear things online and say oh i've got to attach that to the podcast i don't think yeah. we've ever done that in the history of free talk so live either. we'll do it tonight 800-259-9231 and i hope to hear good news you said there's some sort of a pre-trial thing happening right now with that's him? right they call it a section 76 or something I don't all right know. so things the, the the ball is rolling slowly as usual with the justice system in this case the military justice system one 800 as we learn more, we'll let you know, and you can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind, and come on Bradley Manning. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. We invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. And we give you the features on the site for free. Get signed up for our news updates. And we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. You'll find out via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever way it works best for you. Go get signed up for free over at news.freetalklive.com. LibertyManiacs.com. They have the largest online Liberty brand featuring the most comprehensive selection of original posters, stickers, apparel, embroidered, embroidered hats, and over 100 different other products. Uh, I'm wearing one of their t-shirts right now, as a matter of fact, from hilarious satire to hard-hitting artistic commentary. LibertyManiacs.com is devoted to outfitting the Liberty movement. That's me and you worldwide with intelligent, eye-catching, and fashionable gear that expresses your personal dedication to Liberty. Got a no-hassle, money-back guarantee on all their products, new products almost every day. 
It's libertymaniacs.com. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. You can take control of these airwaves, 800-259-9231. And the news that we uh, were going to report on here, uh, coming up, we'll tell you about illegal bunny sales. Uh, But first, (laughs) American, American Express... Now, earlier in the show, we talked about how American Express and some other big-time financial players are lobbying in favor of having, of course, more financial regulations. And for those that are maybe new to this show, they may you may be saying to yourself, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would they want more regulations? They're big corporations. Corporations don't like regulations. Well, you're wrong because corporations love regulations. Big corporations, corporations like American Express and Visa mm-hmm. – uh, they love regulations. They because, hate competition a lot right. more than they hate regulations. Right. They understand that regulations are their friend because regulations like the one we were talking about earlier where California is going to be charging any business doing so-called money transmissions, whether it's domestic or international, they're going to be charging them $500,000 for a license. And I don't know if it – I don't know what the term of that license is, by the way. It wasn't made clear. I don't know if that's a year, five years, or, or ten years or what. Uh, but it's a lot of damn money. And the average person doesn't have that kind of money. I mean if you're trying to scrounge together the money to start up your own business, how many people have the ability to just dip in and grab an extra $500,000 to throw at some government license? Doesn't so, seem likely. So you've got American Express and these other companies like uh, MoneyGram, uh, Western Union, etc., that are, are lobbying for this. So it is going to affect their business. They are going to have to pay that money. But these are people who are already established. They're already in the game. They already have most of the licenses. They've, they've been doing this business. And so if they have to add another $500,000 into their, you know, $3 billion budget or whatever. They're, I don't know what these businesses' budgets are. Who knows? Some of them, I mean, Western Union's got to do a whole lot of transactions. Right, when year. you're talking about, and some of these licenses are, you know, $10,000, $100,000. If you're talking about $100,000 to be able to keep out new and innovative companies out of the marketplace, right. it's chump change. Worth it. And all they have to do is raise their price a penny or something like that in order, sure. you know, fraction Every, of a cent. Everybody uh, who does the business has to, has to bear this cost, so they all have their overhead increased by a little bit. What's the big deal? Yeah, so essentially regulations are a tool that the big corporations use to keep other people out of business. And, of course, on the other side of that, uh, in return for being, you know, kind of a, for using the state as a tool to protect themselves, they also do the state's bidding because as a corporation, they essentially are an extension of the state. The corporation is created by the state governments uh, in this country and it's protected from liability. The people that are in that corporation are protected from liability of their in their actions by the corporations, one of the big pluses of having a corporation is that it insulates the the players in that organization from liability so in return for that uh, protection they have to give up a little bit of uh, allegiance uh, to the government and so- that's what that's what fascism is many people hear the term fascism they imagine that it means racism hitler was a fascist he didn't like jews it's racism that's mm. not what it means fascism fascism is a marrying between large corporations and the government for their mutual benefit and what that means is the government gets a bunch of money from the large corporations the large corporations get a bunch of protection and sweet deals from the government so in this case, looks like American Express is doing some bidding here. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's been a law that's forced them to. So I think they're just going along because eh, you know their buddies in government want them to. What's happening, Mark? American Express is no longer allowing transactions to be processed at medical marijuana dispensaries nationwide. Wow. According to published that's reports. That's cold, man. 
According to Push, Pub, uh, well, I, you know, there's so there's so much a non-player anyway in the area of uh, credit cards. I mean, it's they're one of the big four. It's sad. Yeah, but there's a lot of places that don't accept American Express. You'd that's be surprised. True. No, that's because I think their rates are really high for some it's, reason. Yeah. The big four is Visa, Mastercard, Discover. American Express. I see. I what mean, you're like saying. there's, you know, it's the there. There's a big two and a third. American Express barely even counts. I mean, they're They've they're about as relevant campaign. as Diners Club. They, I don't know. They've got a pretty big marketing campaign. I mean, I don't watch much. Have uh, you tried to accept? I mean, have you looked? Does Free Talk Live accept American Express? Uh, through PayPal. It, well, immediately we should undo that as best we can. PayPal. But, we can't do that. But uh, American Express, thing. as a as a retailer, you will find that their their numbers are like three times what any of the any, any of the other cards are. If you're not going to accept one card at your business, it's an American Express. If mm-hmm. it's two, it's, it's Discover. Discover. If it's you know, Discover's and, and, rates are also high. Yeah, Discover's so, high because of the cash back. I think. No, that can't be true because I've got cash back on my Visa card. Okay, well, whatever. And their that was rates my are, guess. you know, Visa's rates or whatever they are. So you yeah, shouldn't I, take my advice on uh, credit cards. That's but something I mean. I've never understood. Maybe somebody who's in business uh, and doing more credit card business can really explain. But why the hell does anybody get an American Express card, and why the hell does anybody accept an American Express card? What's the big deal? I know with they them? market heavily to businesses, right. uh, for small businesses and businesses. I have one. Reason. I've had one since 1982. It's a and, prestige symbol, too. Yeah, it is, especially the gold card. It, w- it once was, anyway. And the whole idea behind American Express has been in the past that you pay it off in full every month, so you're not running a balance. Now they do allow you to run balances, but v- Visa and MasterCard would allow you to roll your balance over every month and pay interest on it. Where, mm-hmm. uh, so that's kind of a prestigious, too, because, look, I can, I can, I'm going to pay all this off at the end of the month when you hand them your American Express card. Really? So they wouldn't allow you to hold a balance? Well, now, like I said, now they do, in the but past? in the past, you had to pay it off in full every month. Or That's else right. what? They would Probably. cancel your They'd card? They'd send you nasty letters. Probably. Yeah. Probably. They would cancel, huh. cancel your card if you went too far over, mm-hmm. as okay. far as time goes. I mean, it's not a credit card. It was a charge card. That's right. But it, you can use a credit card as a charge card just by paying it off in full every month and as a charge card. See, I didn't know there was a difference. Yeah, there is a distinction to be had in this marketplace. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't know exactly why people have american express cards i wouldn't spend the time uh, filling one out but so they are not going to accept transactions for any medical marijuana related transaction yeah a spokesperson told the la weekly that the company made the decision to not allow its credit cards to be accepted for medical marijuana because it is their policy to adhere to federal law in such matters wow the american Independent reported that uh, Rep. Jared Polis, Democrat Colorado, plans to introduce legislation to clarify that banks can maintain normal business relationships with legal medical marijuana dispensaries, possibly as soon as next week. Is Uh, this federal or Colorado legislation? I missed that point. I'm not sure Hmm. what um, you know. it says. Democrat uh, Colorado, I suspect that means federal. That's that's really sad, man. I mean, they're they're throwing crippled people under the bus. Hmm. They're essentially saying that even though the feds aren't threatening them, I haven't heard anything about that. They don't, they're not citing it. They're not saying, well, we're concerned the feds might hurt us, uh, you know, so we're going to do this because we're scared. They're just saying we're going to do this because we like the feds, because we're doing what, whatever they think is a good idea. And if they think enforcing the war on drugs is a good idea against crippled people who need marijuana to uh, relieve their pain or keep their pills down, uh, if they've got AIDS or cancer or something like that, yeah, we're just going to go along with that. Well, the state and local so-called authorities take a lot of money from the feds, so... Uh, I, I, I guess they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them, ultimately. 
So here's some speculation in the article. Um, let me finish it up here. It says, I haven't seen it with other cards, says Aaron Smith, executive director of the National Cannabis Industry Association. I don't understand why they would turn their back on a $2 billion industry. It's no, perplexing. The company has given no explanation of its decision, but Dennis Romeo of the LA Weekly believes that the decision may be a result of businesses complaining about the, the credit cards they issue to employees being used to purchase medical marijuana. And um, the American Express may have received a high number of fraudulent charges from medical marijuana dispensaries thanks to Steve's thieves using stolen cards to buy marijuana. Free number 800-259. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpaks, and X2s that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site completely free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Joining you this evening, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. Um, by the way, if you want to help support the show, you can do that by going to promote.freetalklive.com. You get a whole list of things you can do to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. Promote.freetalklive.com. Now, if there's an indication uh, regarding how unfree a place is, uh, then I think one of those indicators might be how the president of that particular place behaves. And we'll share that with you here in moments. How does a cruise to Bermuda sound? How about a cruise to Bermuda with Stefan Molyneux, Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty, and me, Mark Edge? This cruise isn't just a convention on the water. It's an unconference where the event's what you want to make of it. There'll certainly be some speeches and a debate, but the boat has a whole lot to do. Ice skating rink, inline skating rink, rock climbing wall, miniature golf, uh, a golf simulator, and a whole bunch more to do. The ship leaves Bayonne, New Jersey in November, but it's a good idea to reserve your berth now. The ship has been in and out of yellow status. I can't say how many uh, rooms are available right now. You can go check out room rates. Uh, at cruise.freetalklive.com. If you want to, re- you can reserve online. You can reserve over the telephone number there at cruise.freetalklive.com. As a matter of fact, I did an interview with the uh, cruise coordinator today, and that will be on the podcast um, that you can listen to the us talk about it. It's cruise.freetalklive.com. All right, 800-259-9231. You can uh, take control here and bring up anything you want. Now, there's a story that I saw over at LouRockwell.com from the Daily Mail, which is a UK newspaper, about Barack Obama and his, I don't know if you want to call this a motorcade or traveling security blanket, whatever you want to call this. It's pretty crazy. Let me explain here from the Daily Mail. An extraordinary entourage will accompany Obama and his wife, Michelle, when they sweep into London tomorrow, a team of at least 500 
will include White House aides, a six-doctor medical team, and a squad of personal chefs. There will be more than 200 Secret Service agents, many of them armed. So as I was saying, an indicator of how free uh, you know, a group of people uh, might be would be how the person who claims to be in charge of those people, I don't think he's, he's not my leader, and George Bush was not my leader, and no politician is my leader, but people like using that term for politicians. Our leader. Our leaders. Uh, people who are claiming to be in charge, how they behave. If you know the master is cl- is claiming that this is a free plantation, but is walking around in all places on the plantation the in some sort vest. of mm-hmm. yeah, you're right in some sort of a bulletproof getup, uh, then that really gives goes to show what they really think, right? It's kind of an indicator of how they really think uh, things are out there and how uh, free things really are. So the president will travel in what is called the Beast, his gigantic bomb-proof General Motors Cadillac with eight-inch thick armor plating on its doors. It actually got. St- Duck. How old is this article? This apparently is, uh, I don't that's a good question. I presumed it was fresh because Lou Rockwell is usually pretty good about uh, keeping fresh information up on their website. It was, uh, I, I believe I saw this thing get stuck on a uh, bump in London. Another piece of news is I guess the uh, the mayor of London is <laughs> going to be handing Barack Obama uh, a, a very large bill for um, apparently some driving fees that the embassy, U.S. Embassy hasn't been paying. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this is a story that is two days old at this point, Mark. So yeah, it is fresh. Right. So according to uh, the story here, it's uh, the Beast, eight-inch thick armor plating on its doors. The limousine will be accompanied by a motorcade of at least twenty vehicles, plus a dozen police motorcycle outriders. Such as the emphasis on security that his team has even asked to fit bomb-proof double glazing to the windows of his guest suite at the Buckingham Palace. So. It wasn't good enough, as is. They wanted extra bomb-proofing for his suite. The I moves- can't imagine what kind of bomb would get close enough to the Buckingham Palace. I mean, the thing has big gates on it. It's been keeping some very important people for a very long time. Apparently, I mean, they weren't important enough. I, if, if somebody <laughs> takes an airplane and flies it into Buckingham Palace, your, your extra thick glass on the windows isn't going to do anything. The moves to increase the first couple's safety come in the wake of the killing of Osama bin Laden three weeks ago. But I thought that was supposed to make us more free. I thought the idea of Obama, or rather Osama being killed, was that uh, that was a victory for freedom. That was supposed to be, hey, you know, this is we're moving in the right direction. No, they actually used they actually used that as an excuse to say that there'll be more terrorism or revenge now. Of course, and that's unfortunate. But I think some people saw it that way. I didn't see it that way. I knew that it was just yet another uh, salvo in the ongoing cycle of violence that Mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. government perpetrates violence, and then the so-called terrorists perpetrate violence, and then so on and so forth, and on on into eternity. Um, so that's that's all it really was. But I think some people looked at that killing and they might have told themselves a story about how this means something for freedom and that this is an indicator that the war on terror is successful and that now we're all going to be a little bit less at risk uh, because of that. I think there are a lot of Americans that told themselves that story. Because- there were also people coming out and saying, well, we all, we, we got bin Laden's uh, relocation because of torture in Guantanamo. Yeah. Which I thought was nonsense. Really, not too. much evidence to support that, uh, that 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 claim. I mean, there's a lot of people that can come. A lot of people that know a lot more than me that can come up with a lot of reasons why that didn't happen. As a matter of fact, I think it was uh, Ashcroft who actually said in the same day that yes, it did, and no, it didn't. 
So uh, after lunch with the Queen, the President will lay a wreath at the Westminster Abbey before attending an evening banquet hosted by the Queen at Buckingham Palace. Oh, lovely. On Wednesday, that's today, Mr. Obama will meet David Cameron and then address both houses of Parliament in Westminster Hall. Meanwhile, Ms. Obama will blah, 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 blah. So anyway, just kind of a little bit more. And they go into a little bit more detail here over at the Daily Mail on re- regards to this, this uh, beast car that uh, they'll be transporting him in. And like the Pope, where the Pope kind of travels around in this... The Pope-mobile. Right. I don't know what you call it besides that. This I believe it's called the Pope-mobile. Where he's carried, essentially, usually by... Isn't he normally carried by people, or is that, did that go out a few centuries no, ago? No, yeah. I'm afraid that he's just <laughs> elevated. <laughs> elevated. You can't this. see this now, but uh, Wayne is Wayne's doing imitation everyone. of uh, the Pope here in the uh, the studio on the webcam. You yeah, might be able to uh, see that. Blessing people with his arm and At, stuff. Uh, cam.freetalklive.com but just thought that was kind of interesting that this guy is not – he doesn't believe he's free. I mean, Obama clearly doesn't act like he's free. He's not walking out in public like the rest of us would. He's afraid that something's going to happen to him. And, well, why would that be? I mean, if if you are, you know, you if you are of peace, if you got the Nobel Peace Prize and you mm-hmm. really are, you know, acting in a peaceful manner, then you wouldn't have that much to fear. But if you're uh, leading the effort to, around the world to exterminate innocent life and to kill peaceful people around the world, then that might actually make somebody I, angry I enough to that do something. I don't know that I concur with that. Uh, both Martin Luther King Jr. and Mahatma Gandhi died at the gunman's bullets. And the fact is... Is that uh, that 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 peace? But they didn't cower in fear like this. They stood for what they believed. Agreed. In. But you were trying to say that one would be safer, and I, I just don't think that there's a correlation there. And that's fine that you've gotten that wrong. But you're no, wrong. I see where you're coming um, from. And Mark. the point that I want to make here is that peace is far more dangerous to people who have many people who have ad- agendas than violence is. By being violent, Barack Obama is only propagating what the terrorists want by be, by infiltrating mm-hmm. their their land he's only doing what they want he, they they want somebody to fight he's giving it to them they want a great satan he's giving it to them i, I didn't say that being of peace would uh, completely eliminate your risk of having somebody be violent towards you but don't you think that being of a warmongering type increases it i think it does i don't think it would for barack obama if he were to take that stand i think that he would have the same and uh you know uh, threats on his life from different locations uh, because of his position. However, I would agree that just about everybody else in the United States would be more safe if the United States federal government mm. would get its troops out of the Middle East. That's I true. see the point you're trying to make. I just I, I don't think you're right. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if you actually had the president of the United States not cowering behind a bunch of police shields and actually, you know, with the courage to stand up and give a speech or whatever it is and without, you know, having the, the fear that something's going to happen? I think these are reasonable protections that the guy is taking on his own life. I mm-hmm. think that he's doing it for bad reasons, but I think that he should take those. I don't have a problem with a man choosing to protect himself from a possible threat. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, I think I think that Gandhi and, and Martin Luther King Jr show that these threats are going to be made on somebody who's going to make a stand for peace as well as a person who make a stand for war toll-free number here tonight 800-259-9231 i feel bad for the president because that's no way to live that that's awful always being secure uh, concerned about your life and your safety and uh and and, you know at least martin luther king or jfk or these people were more in danger from the, the establishment than they were the common person Whereas these they politicians... They both died at the hands of common people. Well, supposedly. 
Who no, knows? JFK was. Uh, I, I'm sorry, JFK supposedly, but uh, the other two. I don't think that there's much dispute. At, um, MLK and uh, and Gandhi died at the hands of common people. I mean, everybody's got their agenda. Most people's agendas have not gotten out of the Stone Age where they're willing to use a big rock to knock you on the head to get what they want. Toll-free numbers 800-259-9231. We'll tell you about illegal bunny sales coming up here in a moment. This is Free Talk Live. Hour 3 is next. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Juicy Juice, 100% juice, providing a full serving of fruit in every four ounces. Visit us at JuicyJuice.com. When it comes to nutrition, kids need both fruits and vegetables every day to stay healthy and grow. For the ideal mix, your kid should have at least one and a half cups of any veggie or 100% veggie juice and one cup of any fruit or 100% fruit juice a day. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash Your Family Today. Live, launching into the third hour of the program. Plenty of time for you, your thoughts. Bring up what you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features you'll find there completely free. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Our number here, 800-259-9231. An extra secret version of the Patriot Act. Uh, Wayne's going to tell us about that here in a little bit. But first, news about bunnies. You don't hear about bunnies in the news too often. In this case, it's a $90,000 fine for selling bunnies. That's right. It's the land of the free, everybody. According to the Daily Caller at dailycaller.com, it started out as a hobby, a way for the Dollar Height family in Nixon, Missouri, to teach teenage son responsibility, like a lemonade stand. And we all know what's been happening to lemonade stands in recent years. In case you haven't been paying attention, uh, various different lemonade stands run by uh, kids have been shut down by the police, threatened with violence, uh, threatened with fines, threatened with arrest uh, for running lemonade stands. I've actually seen it happen in person. I saw the Keene Police Department threaten a little girl for running a limeade slash ice cream stand or even just attempting to set it up. She never got the chance to sell her first uh, cup before the cops came and cracked down on it. We've also seen the cops crack down just here in Keene. Again, other stories from around the country, but I've seen the lemonade, uh, the limeade stand crackdown, and others were there when they cracked down on the Cub Scouts for selling cotton candy as well. So, uh, so yeah, if that's any indication, you probably have some idea of what's going on here with this rabbit story. So now selling a few hundred rabbits over two years has provoked the heavy hand of the federal government to the tune of $90,643 of a fine. A few hundred rabbits, $90,000 fine. That's those are expensive rabbits. Where is this kid going to come up with this? Or, or, or the parents the target? Oh, I'd imagine his parents are going to be the ones that are going to court. It's just a threat. The fine was levied after more than a year after authorities contacted family members, prompting them to immediately halt their part-time business and liquidate their equipment. The Dollar Heights story, originally picked up by uh, Bob McCarty, a blogger, has turned into a call to arms for critics of the government's reach and now has both Democratic and Republican lawmakers vowing to intervene. Of course, as is typical, when kids are involved in marketing something, 
usually you can convince the politicians to make a stand and say, this has gone too far. We've, this is crazy. We shouldn't be doing this to these kids. What this kind of lesson are we teaching? We're killing their entrepreneurial spirit. Right. We need to kill their entrepreneurial spirit when they turn 18 like the rest of America. <laughs> right. you, we, need to, we need to fool them into believing that America is the land of the free so they'll work their butts off the rest of their lives. Go to work for the TSA. So John and Judy Dollaray began selling rabbit meat by the pound in 2006 and as pets to their neighbors and friends in 2008, raised on the three-acre lot on which their home sits. It's a good business plan. Either you buy this rabbit as a pet or he gets the axe. (laughs) (laughs) The rabbits were heralded by local experts for their quality and kept in pristine condition. When a local pet store asked them to supply their pet rabbits, the Dollarites had no idea that they would be running afoul of an obscure federal regulation that prohibits selling more than $500 worth of rabbits to a pet store without a license from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Mm. Well, what were they thinking? I mean, who would go and start a business up in America without first reading all of the code and regulations that apply with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, not to mention all the federal uh, United States forget code? The, forget the local, local state and right, municipal Local, state, municipal uh, ordinances and statutes. Who would go into business without first taking 20 years out of their life to sit down for eight hours a day, maybe 12 hours a day, and actually read through and try to comprehend what those regulations say? (laughs) What are these crazy people thinking? What, I think they live in America, land of the free or something like that? I mean, this is nonsense. So the pencil pushers uh, went and hassled them, and they shut down operations. Yes, they did, but that wasn't enough. They then hit them with the $90,000 fine. Uh, Under the law, by the way, pet stores are exempt from regulation, apparently. But by selling to pet stores for resale, the Humble Dollar Heights became wholesale breeders of pet animals, according to a spokesbureaucrat for the USDA, who defended the $90,000 fine, even while admitting it looks curious to the average person. (laughs) <laughs> it seems despicable to most people but it's a good idea hey this is what you elected us for because we can so that's especially so since the dollar heights face no accusation that they mistreated any animals instead they committed what's called in regulatory parlance a paperwork violation under the america Amer- excuse me animal welfare act a 1966 law intended to prevent the abuse of animals the fine is part of a campaign to step up enforcement of the law that has included levying fines on magicians who use rabbits and magic hat tricks an inspector general report prompted increased enforcement according to the bureaucrat in an interview, the mom, Judy Dollarheit, who said she passionately voted for Ross Perot in the 1990s, told of her interactions with government bureaucrats that sound like they came from a libertarian's nightmare. Blissly ignorant about the licensing requirement, a USDA inspector arrived unannounced in November at the Dollar Heights home in 2009. The inspector had viewed invoices at a pet store that was purchasing the rabbits, helping her track down the family's home. The inspector told Julie, Judy that... Of course, the, uh, the pet, pet store just blithely gave them the, the information they asked for. Well, blithely, I don't know, Mark. They may have come in and intimidated them. Well, I just assume, I don't know how they uh, went about doing it, but... It, they turned it over. No is the answer. No. No, I won't talk to you. No, I won't give you this information. No, go F yourself. Uh, but no, they gave it up, and so the inspector shows up, and he told Ju- Judy, uh, she recalled that he said, the cage, this cage is a quarter inch too small. Oh, you have to have this replaced. A quarter inch? In fact, there are no actual written USDA standards for what constitutes proper care of a rabbit. So he just lied. By a wholesale breeder of pet animals, Sachs said. Instead, the process is a negotiation between a USDA official and a breeder when they apply for a license. 
The inspector left the Dollar Heights home telling Judy that she needed a license and saying she would send an application. Judy said the instructions were unclear and the application never came. Hmm. So now you get to go and try to navigate through the morass of government bureaucracy because this bureaucrat promised she was going to send you this uh, application. She didn't. So she claims you need this thing. So if you want to go ahead and be legal, then good luck trying to figure out how. Uh, if you don't have the money to hire an attorney, for instance, that is familiar with the USDA and all of its uh, officious bureaucratic rules, then you'll have to start from zero and try to dig through all of their regulations because good luck calling them and asking them to help you. They aren't likely going to be too assist. They don't know, get paid assistance. for that. They so, get paid to hassle people, not to help them. And you so, can talk to five different bureaucrats and they'll all give you different answers to, it, a, to a question. Didn't end there. That's however. absolutely true. When it comes to the uh, the IRS's uh, helpline, as a matter of fact, uh, an independent organization called the helpline asked standard. No, I think it was questions. the IRS. The IRS, the IRS called calls? their own helpline. I see. Called their own helpline. Asked uh, standard normal questions to their. They agents. asked the top ten questions that are asked of their agents, and they got and fifty percent of them wrong. The helpline might have the been forty percent. Helpline. Well, tra- well-trained employees, huh? So the inspector left the home after telling the uh, the lady of the house that she needed a license. Two months later, in January of 2010, another USDA official called asking for a meeting with the Dollar Height family at their full-time business, a small computer store. Now, this is another good time to say no. Don't go to their meeting. What do you have to gain? What is it that you could possibly gain from meeting with these USDA officials? They're just going to attempt to intimidate you. They're going to tell you that you need to pay them a bunch of money. They're going to tell them. They're going to tell you that you're in violation of some arbitrary ordinance that some bureaucrat decided to write down on a piece of paper many, many years ago. And they're, that's all that's going to happen. They're going to gather information. You may uh, speak too much. You may tell them too much, and then they can use that information to further fine you and further uh, prosecute you. So I think they made a mistake by showing up that meeting. What do you think would meeting. be the problem with having the meeting and saying, um, yeah, we're not going to answer any questions and we're not going to make any statements. We're just here to let you say whatever you're going to say. You know, whatever, Mark. I mean, if you want to do that, at least bring a damn video camera to the meeting. It's a good and, idea. Uh, say, okay, here you go. You, know, you can say whatever you want in front of this camera. And I'll show it to my attorney. Yeah, exactly. So at that point, the inspector watched the store for an hour from his car before the meeting and his physical appearance put off the small business owners. Judy said his, he was covered in, head to toe in filth. Jeans is one thing, but these were slicked. He had grizzly Adams-style hair, she said. The inspector, whose name she could not recall, intimidated the couple, claiming to have interviewed their neighbors about their political beliefs. So, oh, more coming up here at 800-259-9231. All of this for selling some bunnies. Hey, let's mm. put this in perspective here. 1-800-259-9231. If you think that uh, people need to ask the government's permission to sell bunny rabbits, we'd love to hear from you. 800-259-9231. You can also bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. The Ruger LC9. Compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP. Features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com slash LC9. 
This is Free Talk Live. Dial in, toll-free, bring up anything you want at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line joining you tonight. It's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. Once again, 800-259-9231. The website features a variety of uh, different things, including our listening options, uh, live streams, uh, radio transmitters, satellite listening options, etc. Get all the details over at listen.freetalklive.com. I you tired of watching the value of the dollar plummet? Are you tired of banks charging you fees? Do you want to take back control of your own money? Take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized anonymous internet currency that's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world, and their value seems to only be growing with time. I just uh, uh, Somebody just let me know today that they're up to 8 bucks. Learn more at weusecoins.org. The dollar's going down. Bitcoins have been going up. We use coins.org. All right. So we continue here. We're going to get right into your phone calls in a moment. I just want to finish telling you this story about a family who got it into their heads that they were free enough to where they could sell rabbits to a local pet store. They'd started selling some bunnies to their neighbors and some friends. And, you know, word gets around if you've got a good quality product. And in this case, an animal is the product. A uh, good quality product with good service. Word's going to get around. And word got around to a local pet store. And they liked the bunnies. They were selling the bunnies. And they asked the family to uh, to be their provider. They, they wanted them to be a source for the, the, the selling of these bunnies at the pet store. The USDA got word. They got wind somehow. I don't know how. I don't know if they got snitched out or if this is just a regular thing where they just track down the sources of animals and just harass people. But they then came after this family and uh, threatened them. And uh, after the initial threat, uh, they were told they needed to get a license and uh, told that the license instructions would be sent to them. They never were. And so two months later, then another USDA official called, asked to meet with them. They apparently uh, did meet up. And according to Julie Dollarhite, Dollarhite, the uh, the lady of this particular household, she said that she was intimidated by this man. And he claimed to have interviewed their neighbors about their political beliefs, scared that they would face a small fine. This is from DailyCaller.com, by the way, for a part-time business that had only resulted in about four to $5,000 in sales and two to $400 of profit. The Duller Heights agreed during the meeting to immediately suspend their business, which the inspector said would help their case. Over the next weeks, Judy traded all of her rabbit breeding equipment on Craigslist rather than selling it, so she could not be engaged in commerce. Eight weeks after their meeting, the Duller Heights caught this lady scared. Yeah. She's doing everything she can to stop some sort of government come down on her and her family. The Duller Heights called a USDA office in Maryland. A man there said... We're going to make an example of you. USDA spokesbureaucrat Sachs well. said he didn't know about the interactions between the USDA and the Dollar Heights. Roxanne Folk, the USDA point of contact in the case against the Dollar Heights, declined to comment when reached by phone. And why should she? She's going to get a paycheck whether she talks to the media or not. It wasn't until April 19th, however, that the Dollar Heights received official word from the USDA. A letter from the chief of the uh, Animal Health and Welfare Enforcement Branch. Remember... The animals were never once accused of being endangered. There was never any accusation that they were being raised poorly or anything like that. As a matter of fact, the pet store wanted them because they were being raised in a a fashion that was better than what they... It was local and it was a a better quality. And the law was designed, the intent of the law was to prevent abuse of animals. 
That's the claim, but the intent of the law is really to get money for the uh, the USDA, right? It's really to get people to obey and to pay, which is really what all the government's laws are but that's about what, for the most th- part. That's what people who propose to use the government to regulate in the areas of of uh, you know farming or animal husbandry or whatever they they imagine that what they're doing is they're protecting the animals. In fact, what they're doing is they're re- letting loose an organization of people that is intended to protect the big guy at the expense of the little guy. So that little organizations that are going to take good that can take good care of these animals are going to get crushed. They just said they're going to make an example of them. Why would they do that? According to the story here, they were given an offer. The USDA made an offer to We'll them. let you live. In this letter, it essentially said that, Wayne, it said, Our investigation shows that you have violated the United States Code of Federal Regulations, which, of course, you have spent all of your life reading, and you must have had some knowledge because ignorance, <laughs> ignorance of, the law, of the law is no excuse. no excuse. You may settle this matter by paying $90,643. Crazy. Shakedown. So... The good news is the Dollarites told the USDA that they aren't accepting the offer. Their attorney wrote that uh, their client rejects uh, that pu- that proposal, uh, that uh, noting that according to the Of course, the they US- have an attorney, so how much have they paid at yeah, this what, point, what's right? What's that going to cost mm-hmm. them? According to the USDA's own literature, it's 6,000 annual enforcement cases average a penalty of $333 thir- uh, per case, and yet you contend it would be appropriate for my client to tender a penalty of 90000 So at this point, they're, they're quibbling over the amount. Uh, one Washington lobbyist for the industrial farming sector said the pen- penalty was ludicrous. She said the rabbit sales are on the scale of a high school 4-H project. USDA spokes bureaucrat says the $90,000 fine looks curious, to say the least, but he insisted it was necessary for the USDA to punish violators to ensure businesses across the county, or rather country, register, putting them on the USDA's radar screen for inspections and possible enforcement. This is the only way we can ensure how these animals are getting the care that they need. How is the how I mean how are they how is this fine going to do anything to letting people who might create you know raise bunnies for this sale? This will help the USDA's budget so we can go around and help animals. Right. Go, <laughs> we'll get more money so that we can hassle more people. Right, because they're not helping any animals in this case. There's no animals that have been assisted in this case. The raw bunnies were fine. People were happy with their bunnies. The business was fine. They were making a little bit of money doing something that they love. Which a little is clear- bit of money. It wasn't right. even very profitable. Right. Clearly, if you're making a few hundred bucks over a, over a couple of years, you're doing something because you love to raise animals. This is not a profit center for these people. Well, it was you know their son was doing it there initially, and it's yeah. a good little business for a kid to be in. And this is you know it just goes to show it's a valuable lesson. And they did make an example of these people. Oh yeah, they taught this boy that America isn't free and that you're not free to earn a living in nope. this country. That you know that what it once was, what built it into a great nation, has long since been uh, replaced by socialist fascist dictators. That's right, and it's just one more lesson of the same because little Johnny or whatever, if he's going to government school has already learned this lesson once if you want to go to the bathroom little johnny you've got to ask master your teacher for a hall pass in order to go to the bathroom and so it's just that same mentality if you want to do business little johnny you've got to ask master for the pass at my school it was arbitrary they'd go in and out of this whole hall pass thing today you need them you know in a couple of weeks you won't need them again Mm. yeah you know you'd you'd end up kind of skulking around because the teacher didn't want to write the hall pass it was stupid Let's go to you. Your phone calls. You can bring up anything. Ryan listening in uh, Virginia to WTAR. Ryan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, I, you guys are you're all worked up over that last story, so I'm going to de-escalate a little bit. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you. I, 
because uh, I, I, I was all fighting combative earlier, but I'm, I'm not so much anymore. Um, let's talk about the difference between liberty and freedom. There's a difference between liberty and freedom? I think there is. Oh, okay. I think liberty is, is sort of a, a, a concept, uh, like, uh, you know, people around you aren't forcing you to do, uh, do various things, but, but freedom implies, to me, ability to act. Okay. So you can have all the liberty in the world, but if you're a dude who's locked in and paralyzed from the neck down, you have absolutely no freedom. Yeah, I see where you're coming from on that. I've heard uh, similar distinctions made in the past. If you'd like to uh, continue to expand on this, you're welcome to stick with us. More here in a moment. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Some would also suggest that liberty comes, uh, I guess, part and parcel with responsibility, whereas people that are acting as though they're free may not be as responsible with their actions. More coming up. You can take control. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Liberty Maniacs is the largest online Liberty brand. Featured the most comprehensive selection of original posters, stickers, apparel, embroidered hats, and over 100 different products from around the world. From hilarious satire to hard-hitting artistic commentary, Liberty Maniacs is devoted to outfitting the Liberty movement with intelligent, eye-catching, and fashionable gear that expresses your personal dedication to Liberty. Best of all, Liberty Maniacs offers a no-hassle, money-back guarantee on all products. LibertyManiacs.com. Wear something worth saying. This is Free Talk Live. Dial in toll-free. Bring up anything you want. 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site. They're completely free. So enjoy those on us. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. And joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. 800-259-9231. We invite you to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's coming up here in just a matter of days, weeks, just a few weeks away at this point. June 20th through the 26th, the biggest liberty-oriented event of 2011. You could be there. We're going to be there. Free Talk Live broadcasting live throughout the entire week. And there's all kinds of stuff to do. I can't even begin to scratch the surface of it here on the air because we have limited time to discuss this. So go to porkfest.com to learn more. P-O-R-C, as in porcupine, P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. And you'll get the whole schedule of things as they are currently scheduled, of course. There are all kinds of things that won't appear on the schedule, just people getting together and socializing and campfires. And we're going to be out in Rogers Campground, which is the uh, the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Incredibly beautiful oh, location. Beautiful. Scenery's just stunning, breathtaking. Uh, but the people are the real reason to go, to be around like-minded, liberty-oriented people who are getting together here in New Hampshire for the purposes of achieving liberty in our lifetime. Many of them have already made the move, as we have done. We made the move a few years back, several years ago now, almost at this point. And uh, some people are newer movers. They've just moved within the last month or two. All kinds of people who've already moved will be there. Lots of people, hundreds of people who have not moved yet, people who are maybe kind of on the fence, they're checking out New Hampshire, they want to see if this movement is for real, they're coming up. So it's just going to be an incredible gathering of awesome people, lots of fun stuff to do as well, family fun activities, games, live performances, competitions, uh, agorism in action, lots of food. Uh, Mandrick is in town again from mandrick.com, George, uh, from George's famous baklava. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there offering up more than just baklava. He's going to have all kinds of uh, sandwiches. Uh, he's going to have his euros that he offered last year, and uh, there's a lot of competition for him, too. So prices are going to be low, as I, th- I think, as a result. And last year it was pretty affordable, as as is, with just maybe three or four food vendors. I expect we're probably going to see a 
a few more enter into the competition this year. And uh, already there's been discussion by one vendor about a possible topless uh, wait staff. And that has created some controversy because there are some people that, uh, you know, they're a little concerned with, you know, I guess kids seeing topless women because not everybody is uh, this, has the same level of tolerance for sexual freedom. And, of course, that brings us back around to the discussion of freedoms versus liberties. And I think Ryan is still with us listening to WTAR. Now, to point out, just a point of clarification, that uh, business owner that was considering doing topless waitstaff was like an after 10 o'clock at night kind of thing. So, at a place at which most young people will not be There'll be uh, some 17-year-old boys that are watching from a distance. <laughs> I'm talking about young people. My son wouldn't uh, mind. Teenagers. So, Ryan, you're back with us listening to yeah. WTAR. Hey, guys. Um, that's actually a, a, an interesting, perfect little example of what I was thinking about. Um, a society with perfect liberty, um, that guy can try to have his topless lit waitresses out, and he can get shouted down by the less, uh, the less, uh, you know... Tolerant? Tolerant groups of people, and uh, it only would take a couple sort of loud ones to, to completely remove his freedom to have topless weight staff. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it just all depends on the circumstance. Uh, I mean, if if people are loud and uh, and upset about it, that doesn't mean that he wouldn't have the the ability to do what it was that he wanted to. Just means that he might have his business hurt as a result of those people not not giving him the business. So he may still uh, be able yeah, to move forward but, with his plan. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, if you look at the way um, you know swingers clubs and things are treated in the Midwest and. Uh, all that sort of thing. We, oh, you're we talking have about getting the government examples. involved? No, no. The swingers clubs are, are well, the, the specific one that I was thinking about was a group that uh, the, the local Christian group uh, just spent a bunch of time in their parking lot uh, driving off their customers one at a time. And uh, I see. So the idea was the Christian group uh, hung out nearby with like video cameras or, or still cameras yeah. and essentially threatened yeah. the customers with exposure? Absolutely. It's an interesting tactic, and I see where you're coming from there. But I don't know if people going to a bar that has, or not a bar, but a, a restaurant that has topless uh, waitstaff are going to be scared off by somebody with a with a video camera. I don't. I Depends. Don't, just all. Yeah, it does all depend. That that wouldn't well, stop yeah, me. No, Let's just well, say that. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is that in both of those situations, and all those situations. Um, let's not say government. Let's say sort of a, a coalition of uh, of open-minded people getting together to uh, you know set the the rules for their area. That that sort of thing wouldn't be appropriately tolerated. What I want to know is what what is he going to call his restaurant? You know, Hooters is already taken. So <laughs> what jiggles or. <laughs> Thanks for the call tonight, Ryan. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I think for the most part, people do interchange the terms freedom and liberty, and I think for the most part, they do work as interchangeables. But I think you could really, you know, get into the semantics of them and, and nail down some subtle differences. Semantics is so much fun. Just uh, trying to uh, create your own subtle differences between words, and and then getting the world to use them the same way you do <laughs> yeah now there's a there's a project for somebody with a lot of time on their hands let's go to tom listening in maryland you're on free talk live hello tom 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 in maryland there. hello hello there you're on the air go ahead tom thank you um i want to comment about the uh the rabbit situation i did read uh the same article i believe you were reading the same one word for word that i read and uh Unfortunately, I think these folks got a uh, <coughs> excuse me a taste of uh, 
you know, an, uh, an agency, right, that has no oath to the Constitution. Oh, well, so the, what if they've taken an oath to the Constitution? That yeah, the agencies that do, do have an oath to the Constitution don't, don't follow it anyway. Right, I mean, look at the police. They swear right. an oath to the it, Constitution. Yeah, so but what I was getting at was ultimately they have kind of gotten a taste, not just even of, the, of just this agency and their heartlessness and their zealousness over uh, selling rabbits. And I mean, the amount of money they made might as well have been two cents, for Christ's sake. So, you know, that what they have now... Uh, what they are now encountering is, you know, basically the real America that so few people encounter, and they refuse to believe it is there until mm. they find themselves in the clutches of it. Yep, and, and then it's too late. Then it is too late. Four million dollars over this. I mean, and as far as the people of Missouri go, if everybody in the state of Missouri doesn't buy a bunch of rabbits and start selling them immediately, everybody there is the P word. And I think you know what I mean. You're, you're saying that just, everybody has to go buy rabbits and, and engage every, in civil disobedience? Not just really buy rabbits. Everybody in Missouri needs to start selling rabbits. Well, and, that's not very likely, and I wouldn't Well, call. it's probably not very likely. I think, I think you're right. Americans are scared, uh, and I don't blame them for being scared. What kind of civil disobedience have you done recently? Civil disobedience I've never really, truly engaged in. However, I have... Um, gone to court and fought tickets before. Okay, Thank goodness. That's, something, that's a level of non-cooperation. It's more than most folks will do. And that makes right, a difference. Right, I have done this and I have stood up for my rights when the time w- was necessary. And, uh, um, yeah, I don't want to go into a too terribly long of a story, but I did, this was effective at least one time and, you know, I was actually, I did walk home, which was quite a ways, because, yes, I was, um, I could have been given a DWI. But when the cop rolled up on me, I, I was parked. I wasn't actually moving. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll tell you, if your it, keys are I, anywhere near the ignition, if you have active possession right. of your keys, they can they can give you and a ticket for it. It's crazy. Well, he, when, when he started to search me, and among other things, I... I figured, well, you're yelling at me. Why don't I just yell back at you? And I yelled at him, does the Fourth Amendment to the Bill of Rights mean any effing thing to you? And that's when he was like, do you know why, sir? Do you know why? Well, finally, he just said, hey, look, if I come back here and your vehicle's gone, I'm coming after you. I'm telling you, you you, you lucked out. I mean, you're lucky you're yeah. not talking with a lisp with lack of teeth after talking to a cop like that. Um, right. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm real glad that guy didn't do anything terrible to you. But uh, Tom, thanks for the call yeah, tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. And I, I agree with the general concept that I wish more Americans would stand up for their neighbors, even when their neighbors are doing something that they may not necessarily agree with or, you know, be concerned over. Like, most people aren't going to sell rabbits, so they'll just tell themselves, well, this doesn't matter to me. But it does matter to you. It should matter to you because it's everybody's freedom that's being threatened. It's Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. Moments remain. Enough time for you, your thoughts. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. Like the show? Want to help support Free Talk Live? Shop with us. Get over and get your shopping done over at shop.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through one of the links that you'll see there at shop.freetalklive.com, then Free Talk Live gets a portion of the purchase price. So whatever it is that you need to buy, you just buy it through the link at shop.freetalklive.com. There's a link there for the, uh, the United States, for Canada, for the U.K., as well as Germany. You just click into the appropriate one for you, get your shopping taken care of. You won't see an indicator at the checkout or anything like that. It's just a little uh, code that goes in when you enter the site, gets stored in a cookie on your, on your computer, and as long as you... As long as you enter through that link, you pretty much are good to go. We're going to get a, a, a cut of Amazon's profits when you enter through shop.freetalklive.com. So we'll continue here with you and your thoughts. Chris is listening in Georgia. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Wayne, and Mark. Chris in Georgia? Going once. I'm here. Chris, there you are. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, put a be in people's bonnets. There's a friend of mine who was a patriot and a uh, stellar man, uh, never been arrested in his life. And his name was Matt Murdoch, and he was murdered by police last Thursday night coming oh, no. from work. What happened? He came out of the shop, and uh, you know, the police said they had a suspicious call. He was, he, he was the kind of guy who would help anybody, myself included, you know, with any kind of auto mechanics or auto body work. He'd work for free if you didn't have the money. He just was a good guy. He distributed, like, DVDs to try to make people aware of what's going on with the nation and the sad state that we're in. And uh, ultimately, he got pulled over by the police, and they said, what are you doing here? He showed his driver's license, and uh, the one officer went to verify, went to the shop where he was working, and uh, the guy said, oh, yeah, that's Matt. He just left, and he's a good guy and whatever. And so the other police officer stormed up and, I guess, got in a confrontation with him about something. And uh, next thing you know, the owner of the business and the other police officer are walking up, and the guy opened fire, point blank, four to six shots right into him. And while he was saying, what are you shooting me for? I mean, he just was, like, in shock, I guess. You know, the cop was shooting him. And ultimately, he died from his wounds at 2 in the morning. And you can Google it, Matt Murdoch shot by police uh, in Georgia. And uh, we're having a candlelight vigil for him Friday night. He was well-received and loved in the community and just a great guy. Missed horribly. I'm Have the police come out with a statement at this point? Well, basically, they are saying that the, the police officer thought that he was reaching for a gun. Well, you know, apparently no gun was found. Mm. But I know for a fact that he had a license to, for a concealed permit. But he himself had friends with the police officers. He was part of the Oath Keepers group that he would... You know, he would, he would try to meet with officers and uh, soldiers and try to keep them to keep their, you know, oath uh, not to turn weapons on the citizens of the United States. There's an irony there, actually. But, you know, he uh, the police officer then turned and pointed at the other officer and the guy, and they had to take cover. I mean, the guy was apparently jacked up on adrenaline or steroids or who knows what. I mean, they're going to get to the bottom of it, but... You know, it's no, just no, they won't. no, they won't. No, they're not. No one's getting to the bottom of this. Uh, cops get away. Cops get away with murder on a regular basis. Odds are good he's going to be put on a paid suspension while they so-called investigate. And the investigation will determine that he believed he was he was fearing for his life, and so therefore, whenever a cop can say I was scared, that's justification right. for them to kill someone. Right in this police state we live in. I hate to be the bearer well, of bad news for you, dude, but 
please don't get your you hopes up so? on this because they'll just be dashed against the rocks. I, I wish well, you I mean, the best of luck and, and call us with an update if you can. And thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. And I'm sorry to hear that story because anybody tragic. Yeah. yeah and, and this is something that cops can do to anybody at any time if they wanted to. I don't think they're all murderous lunatics like this guy appears to, to be from the story. But at any time, I thought he was pulling a gun on me. But yeah, that's th- it. But there does seem to be some hostility toward the Oath Keepers group for good reason, because they're countering what's the federalization and militarization of police. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look what happened with that couple up here in New Hampshire a few months back when they had their baby taken away. That's right. And they cited that this, this person was a member of Oath Keepers. They sure did, as uh, evidence that he's a bad guy, right? Exactly. Uh, so we continue here. Your calls. Tom, listening on XM's America's Talk. Hello, Tom. I'm in Iowa. I'm, I'm concerned about the agricultural, the farmers in the area. They they drive uh, tractors and combines. They tow excessive loads up and down all the roads. Mm-hmm. They don't have permits. They don't even pay tax on the fuel that the tractors burn. How when, do they not pay taxes on uh, fuel for tractors? Well, uh, the taxes on the fuel is for highway use and farmers the tractor burns 99 percent of the fuel on in the field so they don't have to pay taxes so do they get the special is is this the thing where there's the different color diesel where one of it's correct i see i didn't realize that the uh, the the special diesel was untaxed it that's correct they don't pay any road taxes on that fuel huh and so you're saying you're upset about this well, my, my my question is, if I'm a if if a contractor has to move a piece of equipment down the road, he has to have all the right permits to do so. He has to have all the right licenses to drive that truck. He's limited by height and width and weight, and these are all things that that farmers are not limited to. Well, I hate to tell you, but farmers are more politically connected than you guys are. Then that and that's the reason. I mean that that that's what gets them through this. Well, you know, I, I guess I guess the idea is is that farmers don't put their equipment very far on the road. I mean, I, well, I I'm just trying to imagine in my mind it it would seem really difficult. May, to, maybe maybe fifty years ago they didn't, but today farmers transport this equipment. Um, over a hundred miles sometimes. Well, you even just said it, and it was like 99% of the time that they're they're on the farm with this uh, this equipment. But regardless of that, are you proposing that everybody should have to pay the same taxes and follow the same regulations? I think everybody should be as free as the farmers, if not more so. I'm asking, mm-hmm. though, are, is that what your proposal is? Yeah, I think everybody should have legal loads. The, 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 uh, the equipment should be safe. Are you a professional driver? No, I'm not. I'm a contractor. Okay. I'm sad to hear you say that because I agree with Mark. I think that everybody should be free to uh, to, to drive without having to pay taxes on gas. Well, but what's going to support the roads? We, uh, we let's need not taxes. have the government handle we, we don't need taxes because it's stealing, sir, and it's, it's threatening people. Uh, and we don't need the government to take care of the roads. We can have the marketplace handle that and let people with uh, in, you know an incentive to innovate come up with different ways to fund those roads. How about that? Uh, that 
That's never occurred to me. There you go. So think, it's something to think on because it's a tough one. I mean, it's, we've, we've been used to the government running the roads for our whole lives, so it's hard to get out of that particular box. And one thing uh, you have to remember is the roads used to be privately run in the first place, and then the government came in and co-opted it's them. It's been over 100 years. But have yeah, you ever been to Disney World? I have been to Disney World. Well, those are all private roads at Disney World. Did you know that? That doesn't surprise me. You see how nice those roads are? There's not a crack in that pavement. Well, now, the argument there uh, could be made, Wayne, that, well, it's Disney. I mean, they've got a bunch of money, so that's not a problem. There are lots of private roads running through uh, Southern California. People want to be able to get out of gridlock traffic, so they're paying a premium (laughs) for a private road. But they don't always have to be. uh, Again, I think the toll method is kind of antiquated, uh, where they're paying for some sort of a pass. I think that's kind of taking the government concept. You're talking about rural places with uh, with farmers. You're probably going to be talking about roads that wouldn't be as well kept as they would be in in metropolitan areas. That may very well be true. Right. But all I'm talking about is other ways to fund roads beyond this kind of antiquated toll method. How come? How come we can't just have all the, the the people that are using the roads? follow the laws that have been put into place. Which laws do you want to follow? Instead of allowing the farmers to ignore all the weight limits, speed limits, and I'm talking about excessively slow limits. Yeah, excessively slow, sure. And then they're, they're too high, they're too wide. And they're too heavy in many, many cases. Well, so this was going on in my town recently. And the the fact is, if there was some kind of like real scientific way of knowing this stuff, you might be able to convince me. But instead, what you have is a bunch of people who know nothing trying to come up with the rules. Um, and they were, they were in my town, they were trying to say, oh, we can't have dump trucks on this road. It's too curvy. And really what it was is the rich people that were politically connected lived on this road and they didn't want dump trucks. Mm trucks on their road they wanted them to come down at my house because there was a there was a small quarry on this road whereas i live next to the largest quarry in the world and they could care less that i live on uh, you know a major highway where uh, cars go back and forth they're talking about the danger to their pets my kid could walk out on this road so this is all about politically connected people really not about any you know with making arbitrary rules rather than making sort of rules that make sense i'm fine with people being safe on the roads that makes sense to me i think road owners in a you know kind of a market road future would want their drivers to be safe and there would likely be rules attached to that but i'm not fine with uh, government arbitrarily dictating things to me and everybody else and I, I think we need to find other ways to ensure safety that don't involve the threat of violence from the state and i thank you for the call tonight we're out of time back tomorrow night online in the meantime it has been ian here with you and wayne and mark and you'll find us online at freetalklive.com see you tomorrow The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. All right. It's another edition of the Edgington Post. And I have with me today Brian Wagoda. Brian, you there? Yes, I'm here. Brian, you are the the fella who with whom uh, Free Talk Live has teamed up with to do the uh, this this cruise that we're going on. Uh, people can find out more by going to cruise.freetalklive.com. And uh, just give us the basics: the who, what, where, when, why about the cruise. Well, we put together a cruise with Royal Caribbean that is going to Bermuda, uh, November fifth, twenty eleven. Uh, it's going to be a five day cruise departing out of uh, Bayonne, New Jersey. 
Um, we spend a couple days at sea, and we spend a couple days in port in Bermuda, so we get plenty of uh, time to do a bunch of fun activities on the boat, which Royal Caribbean really uh, does a good job at. They have trivia contests, rock walls, inline skating, ice skating, tons of activities to keep you and your family completely entertained while you're on the boat. And then Bermuda is just an incredible destination. I, I can't speak enough about how great of a place that is to go for vacation. Uh, nice sunny weather. Uh, November, it should be temperate. It's not going to be too hot, not going to be too cold. So you should be able to enjoy the beaches and, and some of the nightlife there. And uh, essentially, we're going to have Mark uh, and Wes. That's me. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, yes, you, uh, Wes Trend. <laughs> And uh, Stefan Malnou on board. So they're going to be uh, our guest speakers for, for the duration. Now, um, you know, obviously we're each going to be talking about different stuff. There will be a, a little debate going on between Wes and uh, Stefan and myself regarding, I guess, the uh, the morality of voting. Uh, so I'm sure some folks will really be interested in it. I'm sure we'll videotape it or something like that. But yeah, um, that's correct. What are some of the other things that people can do on the boat? You, you mentioned ice skating and line skating, rock wall. Well, on a boat, uh, like I said, Royal Caribbean really does a great job of keeping people's interest uh, peaked and and giving them plenty of options uh, while they're at sea. So Royal Caribbean uh, offers something called uh, Explorer, I'm sorry, uh, the Explorer Academy. Okay. And in the Explorer Academy, they they teach their guests a number of different things from wine pairing to country line dancing. Um, Sometimes they even have uh, knitting classes on board. Mm. Things of that nature, and and they also uh, offer stuff for kids from three to seventeen in Adventure Ocean, which should basically give the parents time to go and explore themselves while the kids are taken care of. Uh, there's all different kinds of activities for the children, from coloring, playing games to video games. Um, we also mentioned earlier that there is a rock climbing wall on board. There's actually an ice skating rink on the uh, on the boat itself, and they have a little. Uh, racetrack for inline skating. If you're not uh, up for doing the ice skating, you can do some inline skating. Uh, they also have golf simulator on board, so if you need to brush up on some of the finer points of your golf game, you can do that as well. Um, they, they have music on board 24-7. There's bands all over the place, uh, bars everywhere, food everywhere as well. And all of that food is, is part of the price uh, for, your, for your trip. Yeah, you can eat all you want. If you want a drink, you got to pay. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> now, what is some of the itinerary of the event as it's going to go? Because, I mean, we've talked about um, in the past, we've talked about, you know, the cruise, the things that are going to go on, uh, things that are going to be available in Bermuda. And uh, just real quick, what are some of those things that are uh, some of the tours that are available in Bermuda? Do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, actually, um, we, we, my wife and I had gone there before, and we did an uh, electric bike tour, which was more of a historical tour that took you through the towns and get to see some of uh, the older buildings in town and stop at different destinations and hear uh, stories about it. Uh, there's also shopping tours that you can do. Uh, there are all-inclusive resorts on, on the island that you can purchase uh, time to go to the all-inclusive resort and get treated as a resort guest. There's... Uh, different kinds of, you know, snorkeling, scuba diving, um, jet skis, all different kinds of activities of that sort for the more active type. Yeah. And then there's golf, of course, in Bermuda. Uh, you don't want to miss out on any golf there. Two, <laughs> two to three uh, spectacular golf courses that you'll see when you're driving around the island. And 
if you really want to play, that's the de- that's the place to do it. I assume people bring their own clubs for that uh, kind of thing. Um, actually, the cruise lines do have their own clubs. So if you didn't bring your clubs in the last minute, you, you decide you want to play, they will rent clubs to you. So it's not a it's not a necessity to bring your clubs in order to golf on board. But it's easy, relatively easy to do, and a lot of people would prefer that, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've done it both ways, and and. It's actually easier if you don't bring your own clubs. Really? Well, I, I would oh, figure yeah. that don't people have like lucky clubs and favorite clubs and things like that? I mean, I don't I don't know I'm that sure much about that. I'm sure better golfers do. I'm I'm more of like a 200 golfer, so. Yeah, that's that's me too. I I usually go and play best ball and uh you know, I just put my ball wherever the other guy hit it and um you know, it's a nice walk in a very manicured park for me. Yes. So uh, let's talk about let's talk about some of these uh, the events that we're going to have for the the cruise. Um, you know the, the speeches sure. and that so kind of thing. What we were going to do on uh, day one, when everybody gets on board, we were going to have a meetup so we can all get together, give out our lanyards, meet meet each other. You know, get to get to know each other, have some drinks, and and kind of wait for the bags to be taken to the room and figure out what well, you know what what plans we want to uh, have while we're on board. Now this is an um, intimate group of several several dozen people, right? Yes, yes. So we should know each other in a first name basis by the end of this first meetup. Sweet. Um, after that, we're going we're going to you know offer each day uh, afternoon coffee session with uh, one of our special guests. So you get to sit down and you know have a cup of coffee, talk to them one on one about some stuff that you had on your mind, possibly you know whether it be liberty oriented or not, you know. Um, I know Wes is is into nutrition as well, so if you had any questions for him about that or, you know, wanted to know what New Hampshire's like in the winter, and He's you know, the first, I'm sure Wes you'd Bertrand be is happy the, to tell him. <laughs> yeah, Wes Bertrand's the first day, right? Yes, Wes Bertrand's the first day, and uh, we were going to do this, the coffee talk with Steph on the second day and uh, have a coffee talk with yourself on the fifth day. And we're only going to do that at days at sea because we don't want to take away from the the, the guests' opportunity to go enjoy Bermuda while they're uh, in port. It makes sense, too. I mean, there's three days at sea. There's three guests or three, you know, spe- special guests or whatever the, the term is. And, uh, you know, that, those would be the good days to do it. It makes perfect sense. Will there be decaf at these uh, coffee talks? Uh, yes, there will be plenty of decaf. That's a good thing. We don't want to get anybody more wired up than they already are, correct? That's, that's right. I can't handle it. <laughs> so um, uh, dinner comes up at, uh, what, 6 to 7.30. Will we all be sort of sitting together, or how's that work? Yeah, so we're, we're trying to get all the tables close together, approximately together. We can't get one big giant table, obviously. That's not going to work. <laughs> no, but we'll, we'll be closely situated so everybody can get their pictures with each other and, you know, have some conversation over dinner and some, you know, uh, desserts and drinks afterward. And then after that, we every night that we uh, have dinner, we wanted to have a session in a different conference room on board. Um, you know, some of the sessions will be speakers just giving a, a little bit of a talk to the guests. Mm-hmm. Other ones will be more interactive where the guests take part in, in the session and possibly break off into groups to discuss, dis- discuss different ideas and things that are going on in current events. So we're going to try to keep it really active and lively for for our guests so they're not just sitting there after dinner kind of dozing off from all the calories. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Um, what's going to happen on day two? Uh, day two, what we're going to do is we're going to try to start off the next day with an early morning walk and possibly even a jog if you're up for it. Uh, the upper the upper deck of the boat is perfect for getting out and enjoying some uh, fresh air in the morning and 
getting to see the sun come up. So we'll, we'll get out there and we'll walk around, maybe even talk some nutrition, like I said, with Wes and give him an opportunity to uh, talk about some of the different endeavors he has going on on the nutrition side of, of things and, you know, at least get, a, like I said, burning some of those calories off because That's you do thing. tend to eat a lot on cruises and it's not a bad thing, but... Uh, yeah, if you stay active, jump running up and down those stairs and doing the morning walks with us, it should not be bad. Um, you know, when you uh, if you get your little bit of exercise, uh, you know, every couple of hours, it's it's really just as effective in burning calories as uh, you know one long thing, um, you know, once a day. So it's it's good to get the exercise all different times. Oh yeah, so we'll we'll give people an opportunity to get some of that exercise early morning, and then uh, around noon, you know, or for the rest of the, the Later afternoon, early or early afternoon, uh, you know, you just enjoy yourself on board. Uh, like I said, we'll have the coffee talk day two and dinner and the talk session after dinner. Uh, day three is where it gets a little different. After the early morning walk, we will be in port, so the guests will have an opportunity to go and you know take part in any excursions that they may have purchased while on board, or just go explore the island themselves. It's a great opportunity to get out and you know hang out with some of the people that you met in the group and go do some different things that you, you weren't able to do while you're on the boat. So um, is there the uh, is there a talk on the evening of day three then while we're at Bermuda in the evening? Yes. Uh, after dinner, we will have a talk uh, in Bermuda, and that's going to be in the Europe, Europe conference room. So like I said, we're going to switch up conference rooms here and now, there, and some people uh, we'll make sure everybody's... Uh, tuned in to where the conference rooms are and give them a little map to where everything is and, and the itinerary in their door. That's cool. Now, so um, everybody is going to, some people are going to want to go to do the nightlife thing in, in Bermuda and eat dinner and stuff like that. So I would assume these talks on uh, day three and day four are probably going to be a little more lightly attended. Is that your guess? Yeah, yeah. I'm figuring that, uh, you know, those will probably be a little bit more of the breakout session type stuff. Anybody who wants to attend and, uh, you know, do some kind of hands-on uh, interactive stuff with the speakers, you know, that would be their opportunity to do it. Um, like I said, there's plenty of nightlife in Bermuda, so you could go partake in that and on board as well. You know, we got bars, nightclubs, there's a casino on board, and there's a show every night after dinner. So if you're not really into the uh, going to see the talk or that portion of it, you can actually go see a show and uh, usually there's dancing, um, Broadway-style musical stuff. Um, there's even a comedian on board, too. Every one of these shows I've seen has been uh, you know, worth seeing uh, when, when I've been out to see. It's, it's, it's been great. Uh, the casino, is that open all five days, or is it only open when you're at sea? It's, it, it actually is only open when you're at sea. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity to go meet some people, play some poker. They actually have poker tournaments. They have slot tournaments. So it's not just your standard type of uh, stuff that you'd see, you know, slot machines and uh, roulette and whatnot, but there, there's a lot of different stuff going on there. Cool. So what's day five going to look like? Day five, we'll uh, start off with the early morning walk, um, and then we're going to do some organized games like rock climbing, skating, mini golf, things of that nature, so we can, uh, you know, have fun, not not be so serious the last day. You know, it's our, the day we're, we're going to be departing, so we want to want to keep it lively. And uh, we'll do an afternoon talk with yourself. So That's right. That should be interesting. We'll get lots of decaf on tap for that. <laughs> and then after dinner, we're going to do the panel discussion and the goodbye. 
and that will also be in the Europe, Europe conference room. So, so what, day, we arrive in port on day six or, or even? Uh, day, yes, day six, early morning. We're going to depart probably, you know, any, starting anywhere from seven to eight in the morning. So day five will be the, the last day to enjoy yourself and, you know, get to know uh, some of your friends so you can keep those uh, relationships going after the cruise. That's awesome. So, Brian, if uh, people have uh, heard this and they haven't signed up yet and they're saying, you know, that does sound like something I'd like to do, they can go to cruise.freetalklive.com. Are there, are there rooms left? Because I know that it was uh, the ship was in yellow status at one point or another, which I don't know exactly what that means, but I, it was a, you know, a prize that it meant that rooms are getting uh, scarce. Yes, it's technical jargon for the rooms are going quick. So if, if you would like to be, uh, be part of this, uh, get get in touch with us at cruise.freetalklive, and we will uh, get you set up with a, a room. And right now, we have to offer market rates, so they change sure. from day to day. But they're not they're not too far off from where we were offering our prices with the the group booking. So if the the earlier you get in, the better the better pricing will be. So um, if people uh, go to cruise.freetalklive.com, there's a telephone number there if they don't want to just book online they can book through the telephone number too right that's correct contact my wife she will be happy to book it for you (laughs) (laughs) tanya's a very nice lady too i talk to her every week so uh just uh keep on board with what's going on with the with the ship and all that stuff and i think she'd kill me if i didn't agree with you (laughs) you know i don't have to deal with her deal with her when she's in at her worst only when she's at her best brian yes yes well, she's always at her best. There you go. All right. So um, cruise.freetalklive.com. Brian, thank you very much for coming on and talking about uh, uh, you know what's going on. And I'll see you on the ship. Great. Thank you for the time. Thank you, sir. Bye. Good day, everyone, and welcome to today's program. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, you will have the opportunity to ask questions during the question and answer session. You may register at any time to ask a question by pressing star then one on your touchtone phone, and you may withdraw yourself from the queue by pressing the pound key. Please note today's call will be recorded, and I will be standing by if you should need any assistance. It's now my pleasure to turn the conference over to Kevin Zeese. Uh, thank you all for coming. Um, we have a great lineup of speakers, and each will speak for a few minutes, so there will be lots of times for questions. Uh, speakers will take about 20 to 25 minutes, and then after that, the rest of the hour will be spent with question and answers. Uh, my name is Kevin Zeese. I'm an attorney who serves on the steering committee of the Bradley Manning Support Network. That's at bradleymanning.org. And I work on economic justice issues through itsourreconomy.us and anti-war issues through comehomeamerica.us. If you'd like to interview me or any of the speakers or have us on your program after the call, contact Matt Smucker. His phone number is 717-209-0445. That's 717-209-045. And his email is his initials JMS at beyondthechoir.org. JMS at beyondthechoir.org. A couple of uh, quick updates before we get to the speakers. First, um, the trial schedule. Uh, the next step uh, in the trial is known as a pretrial hearing, which is in Article 43. Uh, it'll be held um, in, the, in, in, a, in, in mid-summer, 
Uh, it'll be the first time we get a chance to see any of the evidence that the military claims to have against uh, Manning. It'll be held uh, in Fort Belvoir outside of Washington, D.C. It'll be a multi-week hearing, most likely, and after it's over, he'll be formally charged. Uh, this will be followed by several months of pretrial motions, uh, and we expect the trial to occur, occur in the late fall, fall or early winter, perhaps in December. Uh, all the court proceedings should be open to the media and public. Uh, that's what the courts have said. That's what the court-martial rules say. Uh, but the government may try to close parts of the hearing, uh, claiming alleged national security violations. We believe that the entire court proceedings should be open to the media, especially after Manning's mistreatment over the last year and President Obama's, Obama already pronouncing him guilty. A fair trial seems hard to achieve, and a secret trial will not be trusted. The public needs to see what occurs in all aspects of this trial. With the addition of the death penalty uh, charge of aiding the enemy, uh, Bradley's total legal expenses are now expected to be in the range of $170,000. The Bradley Manning Support Network, along with direct contributions to his legal fund, has resulted in more than $137,000 uh, being put into a legal trust. There have been a lot, has been a lot of support for Manning. As of a month ago, thousands of individuals have donated over $287,000 to the Bradley Manning Support Network's defense fund. An additional 640 people have given directly to the legal fund $62,000. Uh, second, uh, Bradley Manning's lawyer, David Coombs, reports to me that Manning is doing well in Fort Leavenworth. It's a much more appropriate situation, the type of confinement he should have been in from the beginning. He is in a quad shared with three others, uh, his own cell and a common area. Uh, he's allowed three hours of exercise each day, one hour outside. He has access to a library and has meals with the rest of the population. It took a lot of effort by the Bradley Manning Support Network, investigative journalists, the UN, Amnesty International, legal academics and supporters from across the country and around the world to get Manning this basic fairness and end his abusive, his abusive near solitary confinement conditions. As this, at this one-year juncture, we are at the point where the media and public needs to begin to examine what Matt Manning is actually accused of doing. I suspect as we do so, more and more we'll understand why many Americans see Manning as a hero and a patriot and want to see the charges against him dropped. In addition to our speakers, also on the call and available for questions is Jeff Patterson, who is leading member of the steering committee of the Bradley Manning Support Network and executive director of Courage to Resist. We'll be hearing from all the speakers, and then we'll open the, the call for questions for all the speakers. Now to our first speaker. Uh, Daniel Ellsberg is well known as the whistleblower who leaked the Pentagon Papers that showed the real reasons for the Vietnam War. More than any other person, Ellsberg has stood in the shoes of Bradley Manning. Um, he faced more than 100 years in prison for leaking the Pentagon Papers. He was abused by the government during the pretrial process with his privacy invaded, and as a result, the charges against him were dropped. Like Manning, he is now considered by many to be a hero. Uh, Daniel, go ahead. Thank you. This is Dan Ellsberg. I was the Bradley Manning of my day. I'm proud to say that because, like a lot of other Americans, if Bradley Manning did what he's accused of, then I regard him as a great patriot who served his country very well, and uh, he's my personal hero. When President Obama was asked recently whether Manning, who's now sitting in a, on trial, as I was on trial 40 years ago, whether Manning did not do exactly what Ellsberg did, Daniel Ellsberg did, President Obama answered, uh, by the way, the, uh, <laughs> the correct answer to that question 
is yes. Uh, President Obama's answer was no. It wasn't the same thing. Ellsberg's material wasn't classified the same way, end quote. True. The material I released was classified top secret, sensitive. The material leaked to WikiLeaks was at the most secret and not the highest levels of secrecy anyway. So that difference didn't exactly uh, make the point, I think, that the president wanted to make. <clears throat> he also said that Bradley Manning broke the law. Now, that was obviously grossly improper for the commander-in-chief, the president, to be saying that in advance of a trial in which the jurors would be military subordinates of his. He was virtually giving them a directed verdict, and uh, other people, no doubt, will be commenting on that. But I want to, uh, I would say, by the way, that uh, in my own case, my charges were eventually dropped, all of them, for reasons of gross governmental misconduct that, as the judge put it, offends a sense of justice. And I would say that all the charges against Bradley Manning, including the military regulations that he's alleged to have broken, uh, should be dropped, not only for that statement of the president, but for the, uh, the gross governmental misconduct of his conditions throughout, throughout this uh, last 10 months. But putting that aside, I want to address a question that almost no one else uh, has addressed and, and, and I would say uh, would understand properly because they haven't been in my position of having been prosecuted under these same basic charges as Bradley Manning. I was the first, actually, to face charges for unauthorized release of classified information and the first to uh, be prosecuted under the official, under the uh, Espionage Act, 18 U.S.C. 793, paragraphs D and E, which are the subject of the charges of the other four cases the president is pursuing against leakers right now, more than all previous presidents put together. Uh, the question is, did I break the law? Uh, if Bradley Manning did, uh, I did, and vice versa. And the president obviously believes so. Most people would agree with the president that if Bradley Manning did what he's accused of, which is what I was accused of, releasing to the public uh, truthful information that had been classified, uh, that clearly a law had been broken. The president believes that, and I suspect that most of the people listening here, even my fellow speakers, uh, many of them, but, and most of the journalists, and I could add judges or uh, members of the public, think it's self-evident that uh, if someone has done that, has released without authorization classified information of any sort, or retained it for that purpose, they've broken the law. That's wrong. It's uh, the misunderstanding, I won't go into why it occurs, but it is widely, wrongly believed in that case. Uh, in fact, the situation there, the legal situation, is has been described as very murky, controversial, uncertain. It's very far from clear that any law was broken or should have been broken, that there should be such a law. Very simply here, there is in the U.S., unlike Britain, which has an official secrets act, there is no official secrets act in America of any sort that criminalizes any and all release or retention of classified information without, unauthor without authorization. As I say, almost no one realizes it, but that's the case. Congress has passed no such law or had it signed by the president or had it affirmed by the uh, Supreme Court uh, ever because it's been held as 
in violation of the First Amendment. It would put beyond public discussion far too much, far too broad a range of information that the public needs to know and deserves to know to hold its officials and their policies accountable. So, uh, in fact, the Espionage Act, which was used against me for the first time and now against Bradley Manning, 793, paragraph D, is not such a law. It was not intended as an official secrets act for 50 years after its passage. It was never used as such, not until my case in 1971. Only twice after that, since uh, before President Obama, and now, strikingly, four or five to five times under President Obama so far. Uh, so there's a real change in attempting to use that act as if it were an official secrets act. And I just want to close by saying that most journalists and members of the press in Congress don't realize what's at stake in this trial and the other ones. If Bradley Manning were convicted on these grounds, if the Supreme Court upheld that, which it should not do, it should hold those charges as applied unconstitutional. And uh, indeed, uh, Congress ought to rescind those charges because they threatened to be applied in such a case. But uh, if they were to uphold that, then we would have an official secrets act and no further unauthorized releases of the kind that Bradley Manning, if he did what he's accused of, did reveal to the public. And that means we'll know much less about the secret planning that gets us into wrongful wars. We'll have more likelihood of a Vietnam or in Iraq, or other wars that are avertable, unnecessary, wrongful, disastrous, of the kind that we're engaged in right now. And it's because he alone acted uh, in response to his oath to the Constitution, I would say, to reveal that information to the public, if he did, that Bradley Manning deserves to be a great, great credit. Thank you. Okay, speakers could try to keep their comments brief so it's time for questions. Um, Jesslyn Raddick is our next speaker. She's a former ethics advisor to the U.S. Department of Justice who came to prominence as a whistleblower who disclosed that the FBI committed an ethics violation of the so-called American Taliban, John Walker Lynn, by interrogating him without an attorney present and that, and that the Justice Department attempted to suppress that information. She's currently the Homeland Security Director for the Government Accountability Project, the nation's leading whistleblower organization. Jesslyn? This is Jocelyn Radak. The terms whistleblowing and leaking are often used synonymously to mean the disclosure of information that is otherwise secret. But leaking is very different from blowing the whistle. We do not have to look far to determine what makes a whistleblower. The Military Whistleblower Protection Act specifies for us which disclosures are protected whistleblowing. Like its civilian counterpart, the law generally protects revealing information that is in the public interest. The Act protects disclosures that an employee reasonably believes evidence a violation of law, an abuse of power, or a substantial danger to public safety. The difference between leaking and whistleblowing depends on the information disclosed. When the Bush administration officials revealed the name of covert CIA operative Valerie Plame. That disclosure was not whistleblowing, but rather politically motivated retribution intended to hurt Plame and her husband. Let's apply the definition to Bradley Manning's alleged conduct. He is accused of disclosing the collateral murder video. The Obama administration seems to have forgotten that the video revealed American soldiers gunning down children and journalists 
while high-fiving each other as if they were playing a video game. Disclosures of war crimes are the sort of revelations the whistleblower protection laws are intended to encourage. There can be no doubt it is in the public interest to know about the terrible events shown in that video. Disclosure of the collateral murder video is crystal clear, classic whistleblowing. Yet the primary conversation has been about what punishment Bradley Manning should receive, despite the fact that Manning has not yet been convicted, much less charged, of disclosing anything. The Obama administration has ignored the collateral murder video is strong evidence of war crimes and that the Army has cleared the soldiers involved, essentially approving their actions. Moreover, the damage done in the collateral murder video is severe and obvious. We can see the bodies, yet the government has shown no particular harm to human life or national security that resulted from publication of the video. Fear-mongering generalizations about endangering national security do not count. Worse, the government has spun the details of Manning's case to deflect any meaningful discussion of whistleblowing or war crimes or overclassification for that matter. The State Department cables Manning is also accused of revealing are irrefutable evidence of the rampant overclassification plaguing America's intelligence community, far more than the cables reveal any national security threats. Yet the Obama administration and mainstream media have been furiously searching for some undefined damage to national security rather than exploring the real problem of overclassification. The public disclosure is further tainted by the fact that the Obama administration has reversed the usual presumption of innocent until proven guilty when it comes to Bradley Manning. The appalling treatment Manning received while in so-called solitary confinement portrays him in a false light as someone disturbed or dangerous. The seemingly constant media conversation about Manning's mental state, his sexual orientation, and whether he has daddy issues distracts the public from the important inquiries. Why were American soldiers allowed to shoot down unarmed civilians without accountability? Why was so much benign information classified in the State Department cables? Certainly, the disclosure of collateral murder was in the public interest. How is an armchair analysis of Bradley Manning's personal life in the public interest? Despite that whistleblower protection laws are intended to protect whistleblowers, not prosecute them, the Obama administration is prosecuting whistleblowers in record numbers. Manning's alleged disclosure of the collateral murder video should be protected whistleblowing activity, but the Obama administration has unfortunately criminalized whistleblowing. Thank you very much. Um, I just want to correct one thing I said earlier. It's an Article 13 that's coming up, not an Article 43 under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. That's the pretrial hearing. Our next speaker is Ann Wright. Uh, she's a retired Lieutenant Colonel of the U.S. Army. Uh, she received her master's degree at the U.S. Naval War College. She served 29 years in the military, including helping to draft plans to invade Iraq in the early 1980s. 
She also served as a diplomat with the U.S. State Department. Among those duties included serving as the Deputy Chief of Mission at the U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan, which she helped to open after the 2001 invasion. She resigned from the State Department over the invasion of Iraq in 2003. Uh, Anne, hope you're unmuted. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, As a uh, long-time U.S. military officer, 29 years, I served in the military. I retired as a full colonel. And uh, uh, my concerns uh, on the issue of uh, Bradley Manning and whistleblowing have to do with the the military itself in terms of how it is using uh, its huge authority over military personnel through the court marshals to... um, to actually undercut, I think, the the protections that a military person should have under the court-martial system. We've already seen that the military itself has uh, uh, put Bradley Manning for almost 10 months in uh, terrible conditions, totally inappropriate for pretrial confinement. It took the activism of thousands, thousands of people in the United States and around the world to finally shame the Obama administration into uh, putting him into appropriate pretrial confinement. I am very concerned as a longtime government employee with 29 years in the military and 15 years in the U.S. State Department, I am very concerned that my government is uh, railroading Bradley Manning. When we have the Commander-in-Chief, President Obama, who's essentially declaring him guilty, of before trial. Uh, that is wrong. Uh, I am looking very closely, and I hope journalists will look very closely at the court-martial itself uh, to to report on it, to uh, dig into what's going on there, because the probability of uh, government malfeasance in this case is extraordinarily high, in my opinion, having been in government nearly 40, 40 years, four decades. Thank you very much. Excuse me, there's a lot of background noise here. Is that necessary, or what's happening? That was from Ann's phone. She'll be, she'll be muted again. Um, okay, the next speaker is Christina McKenna. Uh, she's speaking on behalf of the 33 people who were arrested at Quantico on March 20th, 2011, when we had a, uh, a support protest for Manning at Quantico. She's a 26-year-old Virginia college student studying to be a public school teacher and the mother of twins who wants Bradley to know that if he did what he is accused, Others in his generation greatly respect his actions and stand proudly with him. She is one of a representative of a group of arrestees who will who has decided to go to trial in Prince William County, even though that means risking arrest of up to one year incarceration for unlawful assemb- assembly to show support for Bradley Manning. Go ahead, Christina. Thank you. Um, well, Dan Ellsberg, I never got to tell you this when we were in jail together, but my involvement with Bradley Manning was inspired by you. Um, about a year ago, I watched The Most Dangerous Man in America, and I learned the story of the Pentagon Papers for the first time. Dan's integrity and his commitment to peace moved me to tears, and I turned over to my partner and, and told him, we need a Dan Ellsberg for our wars. He asked me whether I'd heard of Bradley Manning. Over the course of the year, WikiLeaks has published the Afghanistan and Iraq war logs and the diplomatic cables, which Manning is accused of having leaked. I could not believe the amount of civilian casualties they revealed or the callousness and deceit of the U.S. military and government officials from around the world. I also closely followed the treatment of Bradley Manning and was appalled at the torturous conditions under which he was being held, while still under the presumption of innocence. And that is the presumption which our president has taken away from him. On March 20th, I traveled up from Richmond, Virginia, with local 
and a fellow member of the Students for a Democratic Society for a rally and protest outside Quantico Marine Base, where he was being held at the time. It was a powerful experience as hundreds joined together on Route 1, which the police had closed down, and sang that for Bradley Manning we shall not be moved, just like a tree that's standing by the water. I was arrested along with 30 others, including Dan Ellsberg and Ann Wright, and charged with malicious obstruction of traffic and unlawful assembly, the latter of which carries a maximum penalty of $2,500 and a year in jail. Approximately two-thirds of the defendants will proceed to a jury trial in Prince William County Circuit Court, and if we are found guilty by a jury of our peers, we will refuse to pay a fine and instead go to jail in solidarity with Bradley. There are worse ways to lose one's freedom than by being incarcerated. and our honor to stand up for those who speak the truth in the face of great adversity and great personal sacrifice. I'm a student at Virginia Commonwealth University working toward a master's and I intend to teach in public high schools. When I was in public school, the latter half of the 20th century was always taught hurriedly in the final weeks of each school year. I never knew of the integral role that Dan Ellsberg played in drawing the Vietnam War to a close, revealing the illegal actions of the United States military to the world. I hope that when I'm teaching about the second Gulf War in several years, I'll be able to invoke Bradley Manning's name next to Ellsberg's as a hero who helped to usher in a new era of transparency, integrity, and peace. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Um, you can see on the Bradley Manning Support Network page, BradleyManning.org, the I Am Bradley campaign, I Am Bradley Manning campaign that shows visually people who are standing with Brad. You can also see we've raised money for a, a billboard project, picture photos Bradley Manning, and then says whistleblowers protect democracy, and that will be shown in Washington, D.C. and other cities. Um, we haven't heard from Glenn. We know he's in a meeting and, and got stuck. That couldn't get out. I'm going to just briefly speak on behalf of him for one issue, uh, the unlawful command influence question, which I think is critical because it could result in the, um, the dropping of these charges. The, you know, already the credibility of the military system has been undermined by the way Manning's been treated and his abusive punishment before trial, um, and the command now the commander-in-chief pronouncing his guilt, which he did on October, April 21st, uh, 2011, in San Francisco, and did so on video, saying he broke the law. This amounts to unlawful command influence, something prohibited in military trials because it's devastating to the justice system of the military. Manning will be judged by a jury of military officers in a military court where everyone involved, including the judge, is under the command of the Commander-in-Chief. How are these officers going to rule against their Commander-in-Chief, especially after Manning has been tortured in solitary confinement for almost a year? Any officer who finds Manning not guilty will have no chance of advancing his career after doing so. Article 37 of the University Universal Uniform Code of Military Justice makes undue command influence unlawful. It's been called the carcinoma of the military justice system and the mortal enemy of military justice by various courts. The importance of the command structure the military makes command influence a threat to fair trials because of the inherent power and influence of command. It's omnipresent throughout the military and all facets of life. Accordingly, unlawful command influence occurs when senior personnel, wittingly or unwittingly, this is a court writing this, have acted to influence court members, witnesses, or others participating in military justice cases. Obviously, that has occurred here. Even the appearance of unlawful command influence is devastating to the military justice system, as the actual manipulation of any given trial would be as well. When unlawful, unlawful command influence occurs, it puts a heavy burden on the prosecution to prove that it has no influence, that it didn't occur.
occur. Obama's on videotape saying this. It's obviously he's the commander-in-chief. The only way the military can claim that there's no undue command influence in this case is to create a charade, a charade where the officers involved saying they're not listening to their commander-in-chief. Pre-trial publicity itself can constitute unlawful command influence. We've had that as well in this case. In fact, when Obama said that Manning was guilty, I did a Google search, Obama, Manning guilty, and it found 1.5 million stories on April 24th. So this has had widespread coverage. Uh, the military courts hold over and over that if unlawful command influence is proven, then dismissal of the case is appropriate. We believe these charges should be dropped for this reason, among others. Let me go now to our final speaker, uh, Julian Assange, the editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks. It's an online publication that publishes leaked documents concerning governments and big business uh, activities. WikiLeaks was founded in 2006 and has released more classified documents than the rest of the world press combined. He's an advocate for press freedom and greater transparency in government. Go ahead, Julian. Thank you. A little over four and a half years ago, we embarked on a mission to bring the First Amendment to the world. Within a few months into 2007, we had been banned by the Chinese government. And by the end of the year, we had been banned by Iran. Little did we realize that our greatest struggle would come in 2010 as we tried to bring the First Amendment to the United States. During the last year, we have seen that struggle play out in the international media, and we have seen it now play out behind bars, where Bradley Manning has been for one year coming tomorrow. In looking at that year, we can see, on the one hand, a year of journalistic miracles, the most important year uh, for journalism since World War II. On the other hand, we can see a year where this young man uh, has been held in very difficult conditions, uh, first of all in Baghdad, then shipped to Kuwait, um, held in isolation and away from the media uh, before uh, being moved to Quantico, uh, Virginia, where he uh, suffered intense pressure uh, to comply uh, with interrog interrogation, pressure that was, according to Amnesty International, abusive. That was a sledgehammer to crack a nut. But Bradley Manning, um, like uh, all uh, true heroes, uh, apparently did not crack. Um, he has continued on uh, to um, uh, Fort Leavenworth after the support of the public, um, support that had to reach all the way to a public confrontation with the President of the United States to improve his conditions. Journalists owe our source, of course. We do not know whether that source for the collateral murder video is Bradley Manning or not, but he is the only person currently behind bars under that allegation. The collateral murder video exposed the slaying of two Reuters journalists in Baghdad. Our um, release of the uh, Cablegate material 
um, has resulted in the publication of over 10,000 stories uh, in every uh, newspaper around the world. Now, over one half of New York Times uh, daily issues rely upon uh, material that WikiLeaks has released in the past year. So we have seen a year of miracles for journalism, not just in the United States, uh, but in India, in Peru, uh, in the Middle East. A anti-corruption movement, the largest since the time of Gandhi, has started uh, in um, India. In the Middle East, Tunisian professors say that the release of WikiLeaks cables related uh, to the corruption of the Bin Ali, Bin Ali regime sparked off the Tunisian revolution, which in turn uh, has spread to become the Arab Spring. The Department of Justice has engaged in a prosecution of Bradley Manning based upon the 1917 Espionage Act. That act was created during the time of a real war. But it is now being used to prosecute the alleged source of journalists. It is also being used to come after our organization and its supporters. The danger for journalists and the press is that if Eric Holder's new interpretation of that Espionage Act is let to stand, it will criminalize all investigative journalism. It will erect a situation where the collaboration between a source and a journalist is interpreted as a conspiracy to commit crime. And as journalists try to police the national security sector and hold it accountable, the crime will be espionage and conspiracy to commit espionage. That is something that all journalists have a duty to fight against because in every state it is always the national security sector that requires the greatest scrutiny. It is the sector of the political economy which has the most secrecy and in the end the most coercive power. Journalists also have an obligation to understand that this alleged most um, heroic source of our profession cannot represent himself. He is behind bars. He is not able to communicate effectively to the press. He has been in conditions of extreme isolation. So when reporting about him, journalists should do their job properly. They should look at the big picture of the allegations that have come from his alleged activities and our publishing, and they should consider what Bradley Manning might have to say for himself if he was in a position to speak.
Thank you, Julian. Um, we'll now take questions for the remainder of the hour. I want to remind you, if you want to interview me or any of the speakers or have us on your program after the call, contact Matt Smucker, our press representative. His number is 717-209-0445. That's 717-209-0445. And his email is jms at beyondthechoir.org. jms at beyondthechoir.org. Okay, we're now ready for questions. Thank you. At this time, if you wish to ask a question, please press star then 1 on your touchtone phone to enter the queue. Again, that's star then 1 to ask a question. And if another caller asks your question or you wish to withdraw from the queue for any reason, you can do so by pressing the pound key. Our first question comes from Stephen Webster with Raw Story. Go ahead, please. Julian, uh, I noted that you said uh, over 10,000 stories in every newspaper around the world. I have focused on WikiLeaks and the Cable Gates material, but in recent months there's been a distinctive uh, downslope of publication, and I'm wondering if there's any plan to bring other reporters in on the Cable Gate materials. WikiLeaks has now partnerships with over uh, 73 media organizations and uh, human rights groups around the world. We are publishing in more than 50 countries. In the last month, in English alone, there has been over 8,700 articles about our materials. The figure of 10,000 I mentioned before um, was our minimum uh, calculation for the number of completely original articles. We are expanding our uh, network of cooperative institutions um, and there is approximately um, four per week being added uh, and going into publishing. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jim Scuto with ABC News. Go ahead, please. Hi, thank you. This is a question for, for Julian. I, I know that... Uh, as you said on the call, you're not certain of the, of the ID of the source of the helicopter video, the documents, etc. And as a matter of policy, you don't collect those IDs. I'm just curious if, in your experience, this case, this uh, and the threats from the U.S. government have cast any sort of um, scare over your sources, uh, something that they might express. Does it does it lead uh, folks who might normally share documents not share them? Uh, and, and also curious if, if it has changed the way, if you're changing the way you receive information um, to make it easier for those sources to, to remain anonymous. There is no doubt the U.S. government has tried to terrorize whistleblowers into not revealing important information to the public. The treatment of Bradley Manning and the witch hunt uh, for uh, other possibly connected individuals around Boston uh, seems to be part of that endeavor. However, courage is contagious. And we have seen an, a dramatic increase in the number of sources willing to step forward. F fear, no doubt, um, is, is re uh, uh, fear is also restraining their activities, but in the balance between encouragement and um, disincentives, so far uh, 
the uh, encouragement um, by seeing a very high impact um, for whistleblower-driven publications uh, has increased the uh, supply of materials coming to us. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Kavala Madlena with The Guardian. Go ahead, please. Hi, this is to uh, Jeff. I'm just wondering what the what the status is of, of the official plea as it stands, and if the defense has received a copy of the report by Lieutenant General Caslin at Fort Leavenworth into, uh, into the security on FOB Hammer. I don't know the status of that. If there's someone else who can speak to the legal, current legal status or procedural posture of the case, I'll let them take this question. Sorry, that was to Jeff, Jeff Patterson. Oh, sorry. Um, Well, the answer to that is I I don't know. Uh, uh, David Coombs, Bradley's attorney, uh, is uh, not uh, someone to to sort of try this case in in the public, and he is not, uh, he, he simply hasn't shared with us that information. Okay. Thank you. Our next question comes from Ryan Grimm with the Huffington Post. Go ahead, please. My, my question is, is for Julian. Um, from, from your perspective, how has the, uh, the the U.S. coverage of the Bradley Manning situation been? Uh, but you know, both his his involvement and also his detention. It, it has been uh, appalling and salacious. There have been some good journalists that are starting uh, to break through that. I see that the Washington Post um, has been improving uh, its coverage. Uh, Glenn Greenwald from Salon has uh, always been uh, uh, on this issue, um, dealing with it in a a comprehensive and robust manner. But we saw, uh, for example, with um, Frontline last night, once again, uh, concentration on um, salacious and really quite irrelevant personal factors. There, there are, are many, indeed, uh, perhaps most uh, uh, people in the United States are now uh, from uh, divorced uh, parents, uh, but uh, how many are, have spent the last year um, without conviction in a military prison? The answer is one. Good, thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Larry. Uh, I'm sorry, from Denver Nix with the Chicago Review Press. Go ahead, please. Uh, hi. This is a question for Daniel and Julian, if uh, you would both mind answering. Um, critics, critics of uh, Brad Manning's alleged leaks that they are different from the Pentagon Papers and um, other important uh, whistleblowing events in American history in their scope. Uh, suggesting that there's something careless about it, basically. I'm sure you're familiar with that line. Uh, I just want to know how you'd respond to that now. Liam, do you want to go first? Uh, Dan, you go first. You have seniority here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. The same charges uh, that are made about the leaks to the Pentagon Papers, which may or may not have been given by Bradley Manning. I'm sorry, the leaks to WikiLeaks were made about Pentagon Papers at the time, that uh, they were indiscriminate, 
that they released. Certainly there was a lot of material in the 4,000 pages that I gave to the, the press that, uh, on the one hand, couldn't justify classification, but on the other hand, didn't seem terribly important or relevant. I put out the entire study. I didn't want to be accused of having censored it myself in terms of some special interests. So I put out material, much of which in those thousands of pages uh, could have seemed uh, unnecessary or relevant to put out. Uh, and certainly charges that it was harmful were made constantly uh, at all levels of the government. None of those stood up on retrospect, but they were made seriously uh, just as they are against Bradley Manning and uh, have to be taken, let's say, with a, a ton of salt. Uh, none, no harm has actually resulted. A credible charge, I think, was made against the Afghan, as I understand it, against the initial release of the Afghan war logs that names of informants uh, that should not have been put there and that put people at risk were put out unnecessarily. Fortunately, again, as in my case, no harm seems to have resulted. The Pentagon and the Military officials in Kabul have reported that they found no instance in which someone was actually harmed, in great contrast to the ongoing processes of death of civilians and the torture of Iraqi prisoners that were revealed by the uh, leaks to WikiLeaks. So those have not only were enormous in number, but are continuing and haven't been investigated. So uh, <clears throat> there's the, the similarity of the charges and the uh, invalidity of the charges seems the same in the two cases. Uh, one particular point, well, in terms of differences, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the WikiLeaks disclosures are at a much lower level of classification than the Pentagon Papers, and the Pentagon Papers also dealt with uh, high-level decision-making. Uh, I wish that there had been a Bradley Manning or somebody susceptible to those charges uh, at high level in uh, the Pentagon, the White House, the CIA, as we were lied into Iraq. Uh, I was such a person in, as we were lied into Vietnam, and I kept my mouth shut at that time in 64, 65, and I'm sorry that I did. Uh, the uh, WikiLeaks disclosures, on the other hand, are current. They're not as high level, but they're a current picture of current war crimes and current uh, reckless actions going on in the war. And in that respect, are not only uh, more relevant and, and important than the history in the Pentagon Papers, which was all at least three years old, but uh, they also reveal crimes you know, that could be prosecuted in a way that the Pentagon didn't. Now, that depends, of course, on the government picking that up and prosecuting, and Barack Obama and his Justice Department have not chosen to do that, but the material is there. In effect, uh, both Bradley Manning and I took an oath to defend the Constitution from all enemies, of, uh, foreign and domestic, and in 64-65, I failed that oath. Uh, I kept my promise of secrecy, and I gave it priority to uh, over the oath to the Constitution. When it came to revealing clearly illegal acts like torture, Bradley Manning was ordered. This is a fact we know. Bradley Manning was ordered to continue to cover that up, not to investigate it, as the documents show, was everybody who reported torture. They were told not to investigate. That was an illegal order. There's no such clearly illegal act uh, in the Pentagon Papers, but there you have hundreds of illegal orders. Uh, they were obeyed wrongly by everyone but Bradley Manning is accused of being is accused of being the one person who actually obeyed his oath to the Constitution 
as I wish I had done in 64, 65. Yeah, so um, Dan draws the comparison between the Pentagon Papers, um, and if we look at just some of the material we have released in the last year, um, say the um, uh, cable gate material, the U.S. Embassy cables, we can see that in, in terms of proven effect, there has been, um, within a short period of time, uh, substantially more global positive effect coming out uh, of this material. Dan is right to point out that uh, the classification on the State Department cables was only secret. Uh, it, was, it was not top secret. Um, a difference in classification uh, that President Obama uh, deliberately used uh, and malicious, deliberately used and misleadingly used uh, to imply that the difference uh, was the other way and that uh, the allegations against uh, Bradley Manning uh, were more severe in that respect um, rather than the truth, which is that they are less severe um, than the allegations against Daniel Ellsberg and the Pentagon case. There is another um, difference which is which is clear. Um, that is, after the release of the Pentagon Papers, Nixon was elected. Uh, sorry, after the release of the Pentagon Papers, Nixon was re-elected. And it took some time for the Pentagon Papers to work their way through um, a chain of cause and effect uh, in the U.S. political system to uh, end up stimulating the Watergate case. Uh, in the case of um, the Cablegate uh, materials, we know uh, for sure that uh, the dictator Ben Ali uh, and uh, Mubarak from Egypt are not going to be re-elected. A very uh, fast result that this material um, is argued to have had a bearing on. Very good. Let me just, before we go on to the next question, make two points. One, um, the um, uh, question earlier about procedural issues in the legal case, if anyone has questions like that, we will attempt to get answers. Just contact our press representative to ask the question, and we will um, attempt to get an answer from David Coombs. And on uh, the question that we're currently answering from the Chicago Press Review, uh, review press, excuse me. Um, by releasing uh, all the documents, uh, WikiLeaks um, is showing the full picture: the good, the bad, the ugly, and the illegal of the uh, of U.S. foreign policy. And so, if Bradley Manning uh, is guilty, you know, um, is guilty of what he's accused of, then um, all, what he's doing is providing the American people with the full picture, so they know the context. And I think that actually provides more information and more understanding for those of us who are supposed to be responsible uh, for the government. Thank you. Our next question comes from James Russell with Truthout. Go ahead, please. Hi. Yeah, this question is for both uh, Kevin Zees and uh, Dan Ellsberg, and perhaps Christina also has some insight into this, but I'll keep it brief. What is the next target of activists in going forward with the Bradley Manning case? I know that there's a protest and rally outside of Leavenworth, Kansas coming up soon, but is there any indication of what's going to go on during the trial? 
Um, this is Kevin. I'll just briefly respond to that. Uh, June 4th, there will be a, a rally outside of the Fort Leavenworth prison where Bradley's being held. Uh, there are plans being developed uh, for Fort Belvoir where the pretrial and trial will be held. And we have plans to uh, continue our, our web activism uh, with, and, and as, as well our, our activism with uh, getting our message out through billboards and such. So uh, we, we're going to be continuing to be creative about uh, keeping the pressure on, and uh, we'll be announcing next steps um, when, they, when they are developed, uh, as they're developed, so people in the media can uh, follow them, because we think that the public pressure that uh, the Bradley Manning Support Network was able to develop made a big difference in bringing his case to more public light and also finally changing his conditions of confinement. Do you have anything you want coming on in that question? There is the ongoing program uh, I of people expressing support by holding signs up to YouTube saying, I am Bradley Manning, or in my case, I was, I'm Dan Ellsworth, I was Bradley Manning. Uh, that is going on and has, has gotten a lot of uh, a lot of well-known supporters and and less well-known. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, if you wish to ask a question, please press star then one on your touchtone phone. And if another caller asks your question or you wish to withdraw from the queue, you can do so by pressing the pound key. Our next question comes from Claudio Locos with Reporters Without Borders. Go ahead, please. Hi. Um, hi, everyone. Jillian, um, I, am, uh, I agree with you when you say that journalists should fight against the Espionage Act, and I think it's a very important issue that you're raising there. Um, I have a question regarding another case, actually, but still linked to national security. Um, the case of James Risen from the New York Times, who was asked on Monday to uh, testify at a trial to reveal his sources. I wanted to have um, your opinion, Daniel and Julian, on that case and on, on the fact that national security is actually used like this. If I may, this is Dan Ellsberg. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. That's a foretaste of what lies ahead in a very broad way. If any one of these cases being brought now by uh, President Obama using the Espionage Act uh, succeeds in getting a conviction, and if that conviction is addressed by the Supreme Court, which has never to this day addressed the constitutionality of the Espionage Act used in that fashion, uh, the uh, one case that led to a jury conviction, that of Samuel Loring Morrison, was rejected for uh, appraisal by the Supreme Court, and they've never really addressed the presumptive unconstitutionality of this very broad act, which criminalizes not only revealing classified information, strictly speaking, I wasn't even accused of that under the letter of attack, but of retaining and copying and uh, disclosing any act related to disclosing, and even under the terms of the act, a reader of the New York Times, uh, let's say, who gives his or her spouse that information, disclosing it to an un unauthorized person, is guilty of that act. That's obviously an unconstitutional restriction of freedom of speech. Well, if this case now succeeds in getting James Risen to... Uh, I'm sorry, let me back up one sentence. If Bradley Manning uh, is found to have violated 793, as Samuel Loring Morrison was, 
And uh, if that goes to the Supreme Court, and if they uphold the constitutionality, then for the first time, for the first time, this country will have an act like Britain's, an Official Secrets Act, that criminalizes any such disclosure, including all the different kinds I've described, even readers of the New York Times passing it around. That means that they would be able to bring any journalist whose byline appears over a story that has allegedly any classified material in it, and that happens about every other day in the New York Times and many others. Then they don't have to have any investigation by the FBI or any problem finding the source. They just bring the journalist in and they can say to him, as they will undoubtedly say to James Risen, if he goes, if they get him in, we're not after you. We're not using this act as we could against a journalist or a publication. We just want you, like any citizen, and that's what they're already saying, like any citizen, to help us investigate a crime, which is now the Supreme Court has uh, identified as a definitely a crime, and that's the release of classified information. Just tell us who the criminal is. Who gave you the information? That's all we'll have to ask. And if the journalist refuses, as Ryzen may well refuse, uh, he'll go to jail for contempt. And maybe he'll stay there longer than Judith Miller did for 85 days. And maybe he won't. And many others will not. Some, Cy Hirsch, various others, will go to jail. Neil Sheehan would have gone to jail, I'm sure. Others won't. And no source will, again, ever have any reason to have confidence that they will not be revealed. So that'll shut off the genuinely unauthorized disclosures of the kind that we really need. All we'll have left are the actually authorized disclosures that the officials want us to believe. And our form of government will have changed. Thank you. Just over one year ago, James Risen, myself, and Valerie Plame were due to speak at an investigative journalism panel in Las Vegas. I had to cancel that event because we had uh, intelligence uh, that the um, investigation uh, against uh, Mr. Manning um, was in full flight. James Risen had to cancel because he had intelligence that the investigation against his uh, alleged source uh, was also um, being reactivated. So we can see already that the new Obama administration's uh, attempts to expand the 1917 Espionage Act uh, into territory where it has normally never been permitted has had an effect on journalism. If that uh, continues, and as uh, Daniel Ellsberg suggested, um, if, it, if it continues and we see um, a case, uh, uh, if we see a, a, a conviction uh, related to uh, Bradley Manning uh, or to um, one of uh, our people in the United States uh, or to uh, myself or to um, James Risen or other media sources, it will put a chill across all investigative journalism efforts in the US. The result of that is that whistleblowers will be unwilling to step forward to the mainstream press and inform the public about abuses that are occurring behind closed doors. Now, from, from our perspective, from WikiLeaks' perspective, actually, 
either of these outcomes um, works. Either the mainstream press in the United States collapses as an effective investigative organ holding the government to account and all sources then are forced to only deal with WikiLeaks, uh, or the administration finds that it has to conform uh, to the U.S. First Amendment and other parts of the Constitution, uh, and then the United States is a free society that upholds our values. I'm Jessalyn Radak, and I'm one of the attorneys representing Tom Drake, one of the whistleblowers accused under the Espionage Act of leaking. And I've been saying for the last year um, that this foreshadows going after journalists and creating bad precedent, um, as Dan mentioned, to create an official secrets act and a back doorway um, to go after journalists, and the fact that Ryzen is subpoenaed for the fourth time shows that the crackdown on leaks has now become a crackdown on the press. Thank you. By the way, if I can pursue that too, Dan Ellsberg, uh, Tom Drake, that Jessalyn Radak just mentioned, is a classic case of a government whistleblower uh, who, uh, whose revelations can't possibly be charged to have endangered national security. Uh, but uh, who did reveal waste and, and corruption and, and abuse, actually, in the administration. By coincidence, his trial is scheduled to begin on June 13th, mm -hmm. which is, the, by coincidence, the 40th anniversary of the publication of the Pentagon Papers uh, 40 years ago, under the same charges. But it's my impression that journalists in general don't understand the degree to which their interests as journalists and as members of the Fourth Estate are threatened by these prosecutions. There's a tendency to feel, on the one hand, that they're only being directed at former officials, not at journalists or, or current officials, uh, current members of the armed services like uh, Bradley Manning. Uh, First of all, that's not true. It's already uh, leaked over. It's, it's known that there's a grand jury investigating one of our members here, Julian Assange. It's come out as a, a journalist. And, of course, there again, journalists tend to say, well, he's not really one of us. At least Bill Keller has suggested that. Uh, he's not really a journalist. It's not, well, that's obviously uh, feckless to ignore that. But the point I made earlier that was that even going, uh, there's this assumption that the officials first have broken a law, unlike the journalists, even under the First Amendment. And as I said earlier, hardly anybody understands that's not true or not clearly true. And it deserves to be strongly challenged and not, not taken for granted. Second, even if the law were applied only to officials in a criminal sense, it would lend itself to uh, forcing journalists to reveal sources, even if they themselves weren't the target. And that's great importance. As Julian has said, that could mean then that the only way to get an unauthorized disclosure of a crime or a reckless uh, policy uh, some sort of, would be through WikiLeaks or something like it, and it would give an incentive to journalists to be developing alternatives to WikiLeaks, uh, following their technology, uh, using the same approach. But even there, the government is trying to close that loophole by uh, by going directly after WikiLeaks, you know, what would be a sixth prosecution under this. So the interests of the fourth estate in trying to preserve accountability for our officials 
and to preserve democracy in the way that Jefferson said was the crucial function of the press uh, among all the institutions of government would be uh, is at stake here. And people really need to inform themselves, the journalists and others, as to the true state of the law and uh, uh, to defend these people against such a a conviction. Okay. Um, thank you all very much. Uh, we, we're not going to get to all the questions, and if you, your question didn't get asked, uh, please contact Matt Smucker at jms at beyondthechoir.org uh, or at 717-209-0445. And if you want to interview us further or have us on your shows, uh, contact Matt for that as well. We have time for one more question, so uh, this will be the last question. Thank you. Our final question comes from Devin Dwyer with ABC News. Go ahead, please. Hi guys, thanks. Real quick, just you know, I noticed in, in all of you uh, have uh, mentioned uh, the president's comments in April at that rally in uh, California, and I'm, I'm just curious, you know, where in the process, in the legal process, would uh, those comments be raised, um, and how significant is that moment, is that piece of tape um, to the legal defense? Um, this is Kevin. Um, David Coons hasn't told us what his plans are for illegal defense. So, you know, we're talking about this as uh, observers. Uh, you know, a number of us are lawyers on this, including me. Um, the time this is likely to be, uh, arise will be between the uh, initial hearing, the pretrial hearing, and the trial. There will be a whole series of motions that occur uh, in that time period between summer and winter uh, in the fall. Uh, and so that's when I expect it would be raised. And I do think it's very significant. If you look at the case law on this, uh, there's a, a lot of strong language from courts about this being a cancer on the military justice system. I wrote an article about this at Huffington Post. If you put Zeiss Manning in the search, you'll see the article about that. Uh, and, it's a, and I cite uh, and link to the case law if you want to pursue that further. This is uh, Daniel Ellsberg. If President Nixon had made a comment like that during my trial, we certainly would have moved for a mistrial, and uh, might or might not have been granted at that point, but it would have been considered later. And that's true even though our jurors were not subject to the immediate discipline of military command. I would think, as a layman here, that uh, there would be a strong case for here for arguing that military charges should be dropped, that he should not be tried under these circumstances uh, under a commander-in-chief by a military court, and that if any charges were to be brought, it should be by the Department of Justice, where, again, the question of whether the president's statement, a law has been broken, deserves challenge in that he's talking about a law that is unconstitutional. Thank you. This is, this is Joy here. Uh, I'd just like to correct um, an important piece of misinformation that is often used in relation uh, to Bradley Manning. Um, so it, it is alleged that Miss um, Manning uh, or other sources have um, given us uh, material uh, in, indiscriminately. Well, there is no official allegation uh, that anyone uh, during our past four years of publishing activity uh, has come to physical harm uh, as a result of anything uh, that we have published. Secondly, whistleblowers delegate their fine reading responsibilities to the press. That has always happened. When a whistleblower gets hold of 100 documents or 1,000 documents, they cannot scrutinize every word. Rather, they can see 
that there are enough words uh, to suggest that crimes uh, or abusive acts have been committed, and the other words prof uh, provide a context uh, to those crimes or abusive acts. Whistleblowers then give um, material to the press uh, to um, make sense of it, uh, extract uh, those components uh, that are most uh, relevant uh, to the public, uh, and redact um, where is occasionally uh, necessary to protect the physical um, integrity of people. We, in our online submission process, state to all potential sources that we undertake that process, that we always go through a harm uh, minimization procedure uh, and that we delegate um, to other members of the press where necessary. And that is something that we have done over a number of years and it is particularly something uh, that we have done um, over the last year um, where there's various allegations um, surrounding Bradley Manning. So from um, uh, Bradley Manning's alleged uh, point of view, uh, he would have been given, giving an organization the task of engaging uh, in a responsible harm minimization uh, procedure uh, and distribution procedure uh, to get out the most important material to the press uh, and have the um, most positive uh, potential uh, for um, a positive impact. Yeah, another, it's Daniel Ellsberg, another point that the president made in distinguishing this case or in criticizing Bradley Manning in San Francisco, he said, quote, he dumped uh, material. And I want to correct an impression I may have left here. Uh, when that was raised about the Afghan war logs, it's really noticeable that the process of release was modified by WikiLeaks and by the press leader uh, to a very strong extent so that when the state cables were released, so far uh, only some 2% of the 250,000 cables released to WikiLeaks have been released to the public. There will be more over time, but the entire staffs of these experienced press ones have been invoked, the press uh, publications, to choose those documents. And as I understand it, only a very few documents have been released directly by WikiLeaks beyond what the press has established. So the description, which has continued, of an indiscriminate dump could not be, could not be more uh, off the mark. It's been very discriminating so far, and as Julian says, there's been no evidence that even the earlier accounts uh, really resulted in any harm. Thank you very much. Um, let me just conclude by saying that, uh, to add on to what Julian and Dan said and then wrap this up, uh, just make one point. Um, Bradley Manning is not accused of seeking to profit from these documents. He's not accused of directly giving these documents to a foreign enemy. He's accused of leaking documents to a media outlet, knowing that a media outlet would uh, release the documents uh, professionally. Uh, and according to unverified chat leaks, his goal was to create a discussion uh, and debate about U.S. foreign policy, and uh, the impact of these documents has been significant already, and it has changed uh, the direction of many governments, and I suspect it will continue to do so. So I hope that the media, as it looks at this, will begin to recognize why many of us see Manning as a hero and a patriot uh, and treat him that way. And uh, as, as Julian said earlier, he can't speak for himself. 
he has to rely on the media to report his case accurately. Thank you all uh, very much for coming. Uh, if your questions didn't get answered, asked, and if you want to uh, get more information, you can do so by contacting Matt Smucker at 717-209-0445. That's 717-209-0445. Or at his, his email, jms at beyondthechoir.org, jms at beyondthechoir.org. You can also reach us by going to the media contact page at bradleymanning.org, which is the Bradley Manning Support Network. Uh, we continue to put updates on that page, so please check back at that page regularly. That's bradleymanning.org. Uh, thank you all very much for coming, and I appreciate your participation.